Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And welcome to the show on this Monday. And the shows on Monday are brought to you by Andrew Shared Limited, supplying HVAC plumbing and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Our texts... 936-6262 is the text line. It's powered by the Capital Auto Group. You can also call that number locally if you want to talk sports. 936-6262-1866-767-0620 is the toll-free out-of-town number. Miss talking to you fine fans of sports, whether it's CFL football, NFL football, Major League Baseball, which is nicely underway, and of course, NHL and WHL Hockey, the Regina Pats. That's why you play the game on the ice and not in the uh, on the uh, speculation boards amongst the fans or on paper. Pats win both. They drub the Blades six to one. You were on the board for that first game here, operating for Dante. You had to be surprised. We both thought oh, maybe Saskatoon would have molly whopped them the first game. I was surprised. Yeah, I think that's an understatement, man. Two zero. Yeah. Are yeah. you kidding me? That's outstanding. And then. The overtime win last night or yesterday, I'll tell you what, Drew Sim, who was one and three against the Blades, and they had his number in the regular season, and everybody's like, I don't know. It's in between his years. I don't know. He's, he, can he handle the workload? Outshot 47 19 Zinger, and they win. Yeah, they're the Pats are lucky, okay, to win that game yesterday. Let's be honest. There's no luck in the playoffs. There's talent. nineteen shots. Yeah, the, Pats the goalie played well. I am predicting a sweep now. Bring out the brooms. Wow. Bring out the brooms. Blades are chokers again. Uh-huh. Chokers, oh. chokers. We got. I told you. Listen, when you got the best player on the planet in junior hockey, Connor Bedard, the, the, the Blades have no answer for this guy. No answer. No answer whatsoever. I don't know. I, I I think if the Pats can just win one out of the two here at home, then I think going back to Saskatoon up 3-1, that would be that If would the be, Pats that would win nice. tomorrow night here at the Brand Center, a game I'm lucky enough to call on access now, but we'll be here on your Voice of Pats Hockey 620 CKRM with our special pregame show at 610. If the Pats win that game tomorrow, she's over. Like stick a fork in it. The blades will the blades will pack it up. They'll already have the bus half packed to go home. So if the blades entertain any hope of coming back in this series, which is doable but highly unlikely, they better win tomorrow. They better come with an emphatic win tomorrow too. It's gonna be. It's looking like a sellout at the Brand Center. Well, I was there were still at, yeah, there were still tickets available though. Yeah, the, I was looking at uh, Ticketmaster last night. Still, mm. I want to say maybe like a 
thousand, thousand, yeah, so seven hundred. Not, not a sellout yet. Get your tickets. Listen, folks. I'm not going to tell you how to spend right your now. money. I'm not going to tell you to spend your money. Some people have whined and complained that it's too expensive to go, and I'm not going to tell you that it's not because I don't pay for tickets. I work at the games, but I will tell you this right now. Uh, we are not going to see a player like this ever again in Pat Colors. And who knows how many games he has here at home ice. Maybe the Blades make me a liar, come back and absolutely uh, demolish the Pats in two games, go back there, win, and come back here. There could only be three games with Bedard in a Pats uniform. You want to take advantage watching these games while you can. It's looking like only a couple hundy. So the only seats that are really available right now is the upper deck behind the net. That's a good seat. There's no bad seat in the house here at the and, Brand Center. Yeah, so probably like 300 tickets, if that. So there you yeah, go. You got to get on it. Get quickly. on it. Get on it quickly. Hey, uh, Major League Baseball. We'll talk a lot about that today as we got through the first weekend of the season. Right now, it's the uh, Giants over the White Sox, seven two, top of the eighth. Brewers all over the Mets, ten. Okay, brew, to nothing. Brew. Ten to nothing. Still to come tonight, the Toronto Blue Jays are in Kansas City to take on the Royals. Uh, going to the hill for the Royals, Brady Singer against Jose Barrios for your Toronto Blue Jays. My Padres, who uh, dropped their first two to the lowly Rockies, rebounded with two straight, and now they're taking on the Diamondbacks. You were uh, down you, in the dumps. You were talking me <laughs> off the ledge. Well, come on, man. I just I kinda, know, It's difficult, man. I can't have anything nice in sports. It's difficult. It's always tough when your team sucks to yeah. start the season yeah. on opening day because you yeah. think the season's over. Can you uh, look into this for me? I, uh, like, yeah, I watched a bit of it last night. Canada gave up two in the tenth to, to lose to Norway only because my mom, my dad, my aunt, my uncle, and my other uncle wanted to watch curling. So they commandeered the TV, and I couldn't watch the rest of WrestleMania. So we watched uh, hard, Harry, hard. Uh, Canada's playing Japan right now, I believe. Uh, it was a 2 o'clock start our time. Do you have a score? I'll try to find it yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm not used to looking yeah. up curling they scores, so just give two, me a moment. <laughs> two and two at the World Junior, or at the World Men's Hockey, uh, when World Men's Curling Championship in Ottawa. It shows how much I care. Uh, UConn back in the big game for the first time since 2014 when they won it. And the San Diego State Aztecs are there for the first time tonight in Houston. It's the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship, San Diego State versus UConn. Most people are picking the UConn Huskies to win it, but I am cheering for the Aztecs. The NCAA Women's title went to LSU, uh, beating Iowa 102-85. First time... Ever LSU has won a basketball championship, men's or women's. You're struggling there. Did you find the score? What? There's like 16 different competitions happening no, on Curling Day. Which one no, are we the, looking go at to today? TSN. Look up. Is the, it the curl men's curling yes, championship? Men's curling champ. It can't be that hard, Zinger. Under under twenty men's curling championship. No, it's not under twenty. Well, that's what I'm talking about, man. There's like six hold on different here. tournaments hold on. happening Just right hold now. Just hold on man. here. I'll find it. Oh man. Canada beat. Japan today. There we go. We got it. In the afternoon, draw six to three. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Three and two, Canada is on the seasons or on the, uh, in the, in the championship. Oh, and check this out. WWE and UFC have combined to create a $21.4 billion sports entertainment company. A new publicly traded company will house UFC and the WWE brands. 
with the Endeavor Group Holdings Incorporated taking 51% controlling interest. Vince McMahon is going to continue as the executive chair at WWE. Dana White will continue to be the president at UFC. And Nick Khan will be president at WWE. They already have a couple of crossovers like Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey, uh, Ronda Rousey there in the WWE. A couple of crossover stars. UFC star Conor McGregor. And you know oh, this yeah. is rigged. Uh, and longtime WWE manager Paul Heyman involved in a Twitter exchange. McGregor posted an image holding the WWE and UFC world title simultaneously in which Paul Heyman called the MMA star Roman Reigns wannabe. Uh, uh, Conor McGregor said, careful, Grandpa, I'll show you how I can break your jaw in three places. I love it. Reigns, actually. He'd be great in the WWE. Yeah, he would. Reigns defeated Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania 39 on Sunday. I cannot believe, I watched a bit of it, I cannot believe they sold out SoFi Stadium, 75,000 people, two nights in a row. Twice. Can't believe it. That's a, that's a lot of moolah. That's a lot of moolah. Okay, so we talked about Conor Bedard. I mean, would this kid rise... Would he rise when the lights were on in the playoffs? His first playoffs in the Western Hockey League. Some media types called him underwhelming uh, uh, not that long ago. And then they're saying he should have his jersey retired. And when are they going to put a statue outside of Saskatoon because he's selling out the ranks? And Well, we've always been on the Connor Bedard trade here. We have been behind him. We said he would rise to the occasion, and boy, did he ever. Five goals in two games, including three last night. Media availability for Connor Bedard today at the Brand Center. Yeah, obviously a big uh, start, obviously. And, uh, you know, we're happy about getting those two wins, but, uh, you know, you got to win four to to win a series. So uh, we can't be, you know, kind of our too happy about it we gotta you know take what we did well but obviously learn what we could do better and you know try to get these next two yeah it's pretty big just to start it off and you know get your confidence and stuff but like i said i mean it's just two we got a a lot of work to do yeah it really didn't feel like that i mean once i saw that after the game i wasn't uh i didn't i didn't know but uh you know obviously that 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 can't happen again i mean summer's obviously been been unreal for us and uh you know those two games he was he was so good so uh you know we got to try to make his job a little easier and and limit the shots and and that sort of thing was it a big advantage for you guys playing those two games in Saskatoon before you play in the regular season before you play the two playoff games? Kind of, you know, helps a little. I think just with the familiarity of playing each other, I'm sure they they feel the same way about that. And um, you know, just having those those couple games before the series started, we kind of we didn't know for sure, but we knew that was a you know high, very likely possibility. So um, you know, to get those and and see what they're like, uh, you know, again from from the start of the year. So. Um, you know, I think it was nice, but you know, in the end, it's not not too big of a thing. What kind of spark do you get when you get like big offensive production from guys like Chance and Barnett? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, Chance's you know first career goal, so you know we were super fired up, and you know for that to be the one that you know started our playoffs off, it was it was awesome. He's been uh, he's been playing so good ever since he got back, and um, you know he's so so skilled and someone that you know is going to be going to be such a good player. So um, you know for him to uh, contribute like that, it was awesome to see, and you know obviously Barney too. I think that. That pass he made to me was unreal. So he's been he's been great, and you know just just all four lines have been uh, rolling. So it's been awesome. Yeah, it, uh, it's it's exciting for us. I mean, obviously never been in. A, I don't think any, no none of our guys have been in a playoff game in the in the brand. So uh, you know we're really excited for that, and you know our fans have been so great all year. So uh, you know we can't wait to see kind of what they bring uh, tomorrow and, and Wednesday night. How nice was it to see Zach Stringer get the overtime winner with the season he's had dealing with injuries and whatnot? Yeah, he's been he's been so good all year, and um, you know he's someone that contributes in, in so many ways. And um, you know, obviously last night he had, he had a big game, and 
Uh, it's not only not only the goals, but you know some of the shots he blocked last night and and the penalty killing and everything he did. So uh, to see him obviously put that one in and and uh, you know have an impact like that, it was uh, it was awesome. But he always he always he's always doing stuff like that. You know I think with the depth we have, we have so many forwards and um, you know obviously with some guys out, there's guys that are coming in and are excited to take on new roles and and you know really excel their game. So uh, we've we've been fortunate to have that all year with with all our guys just just stepping up and um, you know we've been uh, pretty pretty grateful for that. You mentioned obviously uh, you need you need core to win the series, but uh, you know how big is it uh, to you know get this one on Tuesday and really get a three L stranglehold in the series? Yeah, for sure. You know, one game at a time. We still got that kind of zero-zero mentality, and uh, every game's so huge. So, uh, to win Tuesday would be be big for sure. And um, you know, but we're we're taking it one day at a time and trying to win every game we play. Obviously. What was the message on the bench when before you guys went into overtime? What was being said? <laughs> oh, just that uh, you know, be excited. It's the best part of hockey, these big moments, and um, you know, I think for us, a lot of a lot of guys kind of first OT in, in playoffs or, or a moment like that. So it was just don't be nervous, be excited. I mean, these are these are moments that. You know, you look back for and you look at look on as a kid kind of to to, to be in. So uh, that was that was kind of the message. I think just just take it, uh, don't take it for granted, and go out there and obviously you want to win and everything, but but really enjoy that and uh, do everything you can to uh, to get that goal. You know, five goals against with Simmer played unreal, and you know I think on our on our you know team defense we. Uh, you know, we got to try to limit some of their chances, but um, you know I think with them making it 5-4 and then us being able to you know, stick to our game and, and be able to come back there was uh, pretty big for us just to know that know that we can do that. And uh, but you know I think uh, you know those those are those are playoff games, those tight games, and that's what we got to get used to for sure. Connor Bedard talking today before. Uh or after practice, pardon me, getting set for the game tomorrow. They got games three and four here. Pats and the Blades. Pats up two games. Then we'll have plenty of more Blades and Pats talk throughout the show. Glenn Suter joins us before the end of the show, as he does uh, a couple times a week. And Coach Craig Dickinson, too. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. It's going to be a touchdown for Chandon Sullivan. It's Sorensen to the house. A pick six. Time now for another pick six with Ballsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. These are the six overreactions as it relates to the opening week of Major League Baseball. Wander Frank will be the MVP and Jeffrey Springs the Cy Young Award winner. Man, the Rays look great this weekend. It was against the Tigers, but it still counts. It's a Major League game. Franco and Springs played big roles. Franco went 7 for 11 with a homer, 3 doubles, and 2 walks. Springs threw 6 no-hit innings, struck out 12, walked just 1, and used a changeup that threw off batters all game long. Number 2 overreaction. There are too many stolen bases. When Major League Baseball surveyed fans in advance of designing the rule changes that debuted the big leagues this year, the stolen base was clearly ID'd as something fans missed in the modern game. As of today, after the first week, we're on pace for about 3,400 steals, which would be the most since 1999 when 3,421 bases were swiped. And we're only slightly above the rate produced of uh, 3,279 steals in 2011. So that's a bit of an 
Overreaction. Overreaction number three on the pick six. How did the Phillies manage to lose 16-3? This season better not be a World Series hangover. Well, World Series hangovers are possible even for the teams that lose that series. The hangover comes not from drinking beer and celebratory champagne, but from the wear and tear of a long October. Now, Bryce Harper's ahead of schedule in his rehab from Tommy John surgery, but losing Reese Hoskins to a torn ACL hurts the lineup depth and injury setbacks for Ranger Suarez and Andrew Painter hurt the rotation depth. The fifth starting pitcher is Matt Strom. You know, Matt Strom, the reliever. Don't worry, Philly fans. You'll be fine. Number four overreaction on the pick six. Chris Sale of the Red Sox is washed. I saw one fan put that on Twitter. In the three-game series with the Red Sox and Orioles, 50 runs were scored on 74 hits, so to be honest, every pitcher looked washed up. But Sale had a really frustrating first out in giving up seven earned runs in just three innings. He called it, quote, the most embarrassed I've been on a baseball field. His fastball topped out at almost 98 miles an hour, so that didn't look washed up. He got whiffs on 13 of his 30 swings and six of nine outs came via the K. He just couldn't locate, as they say in baseball, but his next start's against the Tigers. <laughs> I'm predicting he finds his rhythm. I saw a lot of Cardinal fans overreacting to their 2-1 weekend over the Blue Jays. Every time I turned on the Cardinals-Blue Jays game this weekend, at least one of the Cardinal players was on base. They hit 373 as a team while taking 2-3 of three from the Jays that trotted out Alec Manoa, Kevin Gosman, and Chris Bassett. Pretty good! Now, they won't outscore the Cards clubs that had Mark McGuire or Albert Pujols in their prime, but we definitely will see a fun summer in St. Louis. And by the way, never say the word best after the first week of a 162-game season. Boy, some baseball fans. And the sixth overreaction in the pick six, Chris Bassett was a terrible signing for the Jays. He had one of the worst starts of his career in Sunday's game in St. Louis. Over three and a third innings, the right-hander set career highs and earned runs with nine, home runs allowed with four, and tied his career high with 10 hits allowed in the Jays' 9-4 loss to the Cardinals. After the outing, Bassett said, I've never had a game like this, where six different pitches were getting hit hard. Bassett signed a three-year, $63 million deal with the Jays in the offseason. Now, Jays manager John Schneider put it better than I ever could when talking about overreaction. Quote, he's the ultimate teammate, competitor, so I think just putting our guys behind the eight ball got punched in the mouth real hard, and then we came right back with three, Schneider said. The sun ball didn't help. It happens. You hate that. Kind of leads to another big inning, but Bassett's the kind of guy I think consistently he's going to keep us in games. Today just wasn't his day. Well put, Skipper. And this isn't an overreaction, but it is a, a good extra point. The pitch clock is definitely doing what it was intended to do. Now, there will be complications. Pitchers and catchers must learn to adjust to prevent innings from spiraling out of control. And we could see a spike in injuries with the pace of play being picked up, especially as it relates to the pitchers. But right now, let's enjoy. For example, the miserable game has become tolerable. Texas's 16-3 shellacking of the Phillies finished in three hours and seven minutes, just one minute longer than the average game in 2022. 
the mundane game has been cleaned up. The Marlins down the Mets 2-1 on Friday in two hours and nine minutes. And the close, exciting game is still close and exciting. There was plenty of late-inning drama in Arizona's 2-1 win at Chavez Ravine over the Dodgers on Friday. The game lasted two hours, 41 minutes, with all the needed baseball moments not dragging the game deep into the California night. Ah, yes, baseball. You can tell I'm a little excited because my team's decent. And it's actually enjoyable to watch. Like, the speed of the game makes it enjoyable to watch. Now, the fact they got to get in, there's no... Rubbing your jock strap fourteen times, yeah. adjusting your elbow pad. It's you know like what I mean? Five thirty minutes shorter compared to last it. year. Like, I love okay. it. Yeah, it's pretty good. I forgot uh, one of the Padre games was on. Uh, I was about forty five minutes into it. They were already in the fourth inning. I was like, wow. Yeah. I think their role. Yesterday's Jays game went by uh, pretty quick, or was it the day before? One of the games on the weekend. I was doing some work in the house, and mm-hmm. I was like. Oh, man, the game's almost over here. Well, like that was like that uh, 16-3 drubbing I talked about there, Texas and the Phillies. Yeah. Normally, that would be like a four-and-a-half, five-hour five game, but that thing was a three hours and seven minutes, mm-hmm. even though they had the catastrophe of the run scored there. You're it, lucky that you're a Padres fan because those games have late start times, and yeah. that would be right in my wheelhouse because I, like I, I love the night And the kids games. in bed. Yeah, like, yeah. do I need to be, like, do I need to start watching more Padre games? Yes, be a Padre fan. Uh, and you know the best thing about the Padres is if they lose, nobody's bugging you because yeah, nobody's a Padres fan. That is Nobody's there. a Chargers fan. You know what I mean? Unless you advertise it and people like, yeah, pop on you but for I, it. I mean, I don't brag that much. I love Listen, Usually they're, except for the last couple of years, usually they're done by May. So I'm pretty excited. I like the I like the beginning of the season, and I like the end of the season. It's about 60, 65 games too long, maybe in my opinion. Maybe we can stretch it out a bit longer for you this year, though. Like Maybe you can like be more hardcore into it going into the oh, summer. Oh, yeah, time. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when the riders start, I though, I get, focused, the, yeah, yeah. I get focused. You know what on I mean, though? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, it's, absolutely. It's a beautiful sport. It's a beautiful sport. And for an older guy like me, it's easier to follow now. The old... The older you get, I feel people get into baseball more. Mm. I, can, I can see that. That's just yeah. my opinion. Anyway, it's not I, like I'm that. Quit saying I'm old, you're an Zinger. Old puppy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when we come back, we're going to hear, hear from uh, uh, one of Zinger's friends who had an interesting sign at the Oilers Ducks game. We'll talk about being bad for Bedard. Uh, and Jamie Nugabauer next, talking SJHL playoff hockey on the Sports Cage for Andrew Share Limited on 620 CKRM. 332 with the sports ticker for the Keniston Super Draft. There's $80,000 in prize money to be won during the NHL playoffs this year and this year's Keniston Super Draft. Go out and win yourself some money. NCAA Men's Basketball Championship tonight. Who's going to win? Is it going to be the San Diego State Aztecs or is it going to be the University of Connecticut Huskies? Well, the Huskies, they were 30 and 8 in the regular season. The San Diego State Aztecs looks like they were uh, or look like they were 32 and 6 in the regular season. That don't mean much now. One game for the championship and it goes tonight. Major League Baseball, one game in action right now. Top of the ninth, the San Francisco Giants have a 7 to 3 lead over the Chicago White Sox in the Windy City. Each week, the Sports Cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the Coach of the Week. 
Time now for a look at our coach of the week, and I'm going to say it's our coach of the weekend, and we got to go to the grizzled veteran, the coach, and the GM of the Regina Pats, John Paddock. Last week, I asked him, what can you bring to this series with your experience that can help your young, inexperienced team out in the playoffs? Certainly, there's different you know, experiences that I've had um, that I, have, I can pass on to the, the group that, you know, uh, the situation or when you're down in the series or when you're up in the series. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's numerous situations that appear and are unique. And so I think that, uh, you know, I don't know what the ones are going to come in this series, um, but I will be able to relate to them you know, what's happened in the past or how I think we should handle this. Well, Paddock did his job on the weekend as his team sets the tone early in the series with a 6-1 drubbing of the blades on home ice and then escape with a 6-5 overtime victory yesterday to take a 2-0 series lead. They're back here for games 3 and 4 on Tuesday and Wednesday. Still plenty of tickets left for those games. Make sure you get out and get behind the Regina Pats. Connor Bedard. Not long for Pat Keller, so make sure we get out and watch this phenom with our own eyeballs. John Paddock, your coach of the week end. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Uh, yes. Hey, we talked earlier about the WWE and UFC combining. Did you see that cheesy mustache Vince McMahon had on? He looked like uh, 1984 Ron Jeremy, the former porn star with that stash. Although Ron's about three bills. Vince is maybe 250, but muscular for like a 76-year-old dude. Yeah, WWE and UFC merging. Dana White will still be in charge of the UFC. Vince McMahon will still be in charge of the WWE. So there's no sale of the WWE to the Saudis. Trying to get a hold of Jamie Neugebauer from the uh, Notre Dame Hounds radio as uh, we have SJHL playoff hockey on the go. They're in their, their final four. And I believe uh, Flynn Flon grabbed the 2 nothing series lead on Humboldt. And then the other one, it was the Battlefords over Melfort uh, big time. They're up two games tonight. As well, and we are joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by our friend Jamie Nugabauer. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Jamie, um, two games to none each for uh, both those series. Let's start with the Battleford series with Melfort. Uh, what can you tell us about how that one went down? Yeah, hey, great to be on again, Ballsy. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, the Battleford North Stars doing what they do, taking advantage of mistakes. My understanding is that the Melfort Mustangs were dealing with. A uh, pretty bad case of strep throat in their locker room, but uh, you know, <laughs> not much you could do about that. The Battlefords North Stars walked over them, won uh, game one, five, two, and game two, seven, one at home, uh, and so held on to home ice advantage with uh, out too much difficulty. Jake Southgate, Holden Dahl, Kean Bell, still the best line the SJ has seen in a long time as well, and uh, yeah, didn't uh, have too much trouble, to be honest. Hard to Hard to don't want to unpack it too much, honestly. Ballsy, they just kind of walked over the Melfort Mustangs. The Mustangs are a must win now in Game Three at the Northern Lights Palace, where you know Ballsy just as well as I do that the Melfort Mustangs are always very, very difficult. So yeah, got to use home ice there. That's never an easy um, 
That's never an easy win on the road for anybody, even a juggernaut like the Battlefords. Are are they basically great goaltending in a one-line hockey team, the Battlefords? Uh, well, so first of all, it, I, I could forgive somebody for saying that because that one line is just much better than every other line in the league, I think, by a mile. And Josh Cote is certainly a deserving goalie of the year, the D1 commit to Augustana. Uh, no, I would say they're deeper certainly than than one line. They have pieces. I mean, on our show, the SJHL Weekly Show on Monday, Rory and I are constantly talking about Stephen Kesslering, the 20 year old out of Viceroy, Saskatchewan, who's a second line left winger, as maybe the most complete forward in the league. Now, Ballsy, you know this as well, also as well as me, that the game of hockey at this level at the playoffs is so much about matchups. So the top line often gets the top pairing and the top defensive matchup for forwards. So then Steve Kesslering comes over the bench and he has that other matchup, whatever you have to figure out how to stop him. He's a six foot one, 195 pound left winger with all the speed and the skill in the world too. So it's really, uh, he's really a problem. So there's depth beyond that. Colby, Bear on the third line, quote-unquote, and Evan Waldy has experience with the Winnipeg Ice in the Western Hockey League, and you know Jordan Grills, a converted defenseman to forward. He's been sensational. So it's, I could go on and on and on, uh, Ballsy, but uh, it's a fair question, absolutely, but I would say that they're much deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I've only watched a couple of games streaming, haven't been to any live, so it would be... Uh, it, it might be simplistic to say it like that, but it seems that line does carry the, carry the workman load for sure. Okay, so Melford, tell us about some of the names that have to step up here if they're to get back in this series and win that critical Game 3. Well, so the University of Saskatchewan fans get excited because the captain, the Melford Mustangs, Ben Tkachuk, has been a great servant to the Melford Mustangs uh, for for years. Three-zone guy, hard-nosed, hard-to-play against, goes to the right areas, underrated skill. He's, he's good. He's continued to be good. He needs some health and some help uh, you know, the big the big thing about this Melford team that people talk about is their decor. Now, four guys uh, from their decor at the SJMJ Showcase, Leighton Holayan and Leith Olufsen and uh, Hayden Tuba and Kevin Minock are all elite defensemen in the league, and they're all Melford Mustangs players. And it was an interesting conversation we had with Melford head coach and GM Trevor Blevins last week on the show where I said you know you know how do you recruit all these D-men what do you want to see from them for them to be at their best and he said we recruit skill on the blue line and teach them defense and it's usually kind of the other way around you you get D-men that you hope play defense well and and hope they can chip in offensively it's kind of been the reverse for the Mustangs lots of talent lots of skill hopefully they can be harder to play against uh, so it kind of starts with them, really. The, the, their their blue line has been their bread and butter. Everybody talks about them. If you look at the SJHL website, they've got a ton of points, and for good reason, they're very good. But they, you know, if you're not defending first, that's a big problem. And the Mustangs did not do that in games one and two. No, I know you didn't mean to dismiss it, but it's funny in sports. We, you know, oh, they had a flu ripping through their locker room, or they had strep throat. If you or I get strep throat especially if we're men we're laying on the couch and whining and crying right think about that we we, it's like you got strep throat two three four guys get it but you still got to go out and play high level uh hockey uh sudden death hockey so to speak you're absolutely right Bozzy, and and that's why i i have a hard time you know kind of sitting here And, and obviously our job is not to rip people per se but uh, it's hard to especially kind of say the Mustangs were a good thing to be better 
they know that, but also the even the I was ta- I spoke to Braden Klamosko, the head coach GM of the Battle for the North Stars, this morning. In fact, on the phone, and we talked about the fact that the Mustangs just had no gas; like they were low energy. And and to your point, you know, like it's hard to go to the store and get a bag of to get a jug of milk when you're uh, when you're sick with strep throat. Forget about playing hockey against maybe the best junior A team in Canada. So, you know, obviously the job was cut out for Melfort. They just got to get healthy. And Braden Klamosko said, "We got to beat this Melfort team before they get healthy." And that's kind of their job. One. I have a tough time. Uh, I really do. Not to say I haven't before, but I have a tough time jumping on kids, whether they be Western Hockey League kids or SJHL kids or even like um, amateur football players, because they're they're not pros and they're kids. Let's be honest. Oh, did we lose them? Oh, we're trying to get their yeah. trying to get their commitments. You know, I hear you. Yeah, no, it's tough. Okay, let's get to the other series. We got the Flynn Flan Bombers, uh, and they're taking on the Humboldt Broncos. Let's tell us about that one. Yeah, I mean, everybody talks about the Whitney Forum, home ice advantage up in Flin Flon. Again, Ballsy, you were a broadcaster in the league. You've paid attention. Yeah. You know what it's like up there. Uh, the Algar-Peterson Arena in Humboldt has been just as nasty of a, of a detail to, to, to take on this year. And the Humboldt Broncos, you know, lost both games. It's a big surprise. I don't think anybody would have bet on that. But the Flin Flon Bombers went in there and found a way to win two kind of gritty, ugly hockey games. I was at... Game one, watched game two real close, and uh, the Broncos had lots of scoring chances. They certainly outchanced the Bombers in game two, uh, but Flynn Fawn kept them out of the the middle of the ice, did their job, and got some goals when they needed it, got power play goals. You know, two power play goals in each game is a good recipe for success, especially on the road. You need good special teams, and the Broncos, or the Bombers, part of me, have had that you know, all year their power play has been cooking. They're back to full health for the most part. Uh, they're expecting their D1 commit, uh, Jaden Mercier, to Lindenwood to be back for game three. But they do have Cole Dupero, who's a D1 commit back. They've got Jeremy Trombley, who's a D1 commit back. They've got Jacob Vockler, who's a D1 commit back. All these guys are back uh, for Flynn Flon and, you know, finding their way and getting their health back to full strength when they were absent for most of the Estevan series and later in the regular season. So that's a scary problem for Humboldt going into Whitney Forum down 2-0 and having to at least steal one to kind of keep the series alive. Obviously, tomorrow night in Flynn Flon is absolutely massive. But the Broncos... You know, they, 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 they need to find a way to get into the middle of the ice, make life difficult for Flynn Fong goalie Harmon Laser Hume. Uh, he was good. He made the saves he needed to in game one and two, and, and certainly the Bombers got the bounces. But, yeah, boy, oh, boy, I, nobody expected uh, Humboldt to lose both uh, at the Algar-Peterson Arena. It doesn't take too much to, to guess that. Where, where I would uh, suggest, okay, so like you, you, you bring up it's a, it's a must win now for Melford going back home down 2 nothing. Um, I, I, I realize uh, Humboldt's up against it too, but I don't know that, like, I know the fourth one will be a must win, but I don't know if I'd say, like, they got to get at least one there to get it back to Humboldt. So I don't know if they, you know, I don't know if three's massive, four for sure would be, but y- y- you know where I'm going with that? Like, it's not like you got to go in here and this is a must win. Yeah, no, great point, Ballsy. And, you know, again, everybody who watches sports of any kind know that, you know, you play the regular season yeah, as high, high a seed as you can in the playoffs. Call, call me simplistic if you want, but that's just the bottom line. Right? And the humble Broncos were the two seed. in trouble being five and so, it goes, um, so you know, great 
Yeah, I think, you know, just for the mentality of the, the humble Broncos, you know, they're a little bit of a younger team and younger teams uh, compared to Flynn Fawn. They're not a young team, but compared to Flynn Fawn, mm-hmm. they're a younger team, less seasoned of a team by a little bit. I think just for their mental state, I think, you know, coming down from 3-0 would be just a lot to ask for these kids. And, um, you know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't help that they had a little bit of turmoil with their goaltending situation. They've got yeah. an 18-year-old goalie there in Ben Motu who hasn't really had to carry the water by himself the last little while with, you know, that little situation that happened with Jared Picklick, which, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into too much, but uh, people can find that on uh, on the internet. Um, but uh, certainly that's kind of new for the humble Broncos that they have one guy who has to carry the load in net. Um, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. You never count out a Scott Barney-led humble Bronco team, uh, Ballsy, because they have so much talent. He's done such an incredible job with that humble team, you know, since the crash, really. And, of course, we got to mention that the uh, anniversary of the crash five year is coming up here this week. So, um, you know, everybody, uh, be kind to everybody out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, puts things in perspective. Jamie Nugelbauer, our uh, SJHL expert, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you so much. He joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Monday show is brought to you by Andrew Shared Limited, supplying HVAC, plumbing, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. You may hear some clicking and moving in the background. We had some computer issues, a meltdown. Singer is, he's like an air traffic controller. He's operating this show, lining up guests, and rebuilding what we call our clocks on the computer. So thanks to Zinger for his great work. When we come back on the other side, a special guest, the buddy of Zingers, and we'll talk about Be Bad for Bedard. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. No, Hogan and Savage haven't merged again. It's the UFC and WWE. That's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brother, let me tell you. Anyway. Well, let me tell you something, brother. It, it's time to... Talk about be bad for Bedard, or is it suck hard for Bedard, or is like it the first one? Or is it, better, yeah. or is it dishonor for Connor? I don't know. Uh, but it's time to talk to a lifelong Ducks fan. That's hilarious, man. Sean Kreitz, he works at Mix One Hundred Three. Our uh, our relative station, sister station, brother station. I don't even know what to say in today's day and age without pissing somebody off. But he works in the company at Mix One Hundred Three in Fort Mac. Sean, how are you? Oh, never been better. Thanks, Fozzie. And yeah. you and you played football with Zinger at Riffle. Is that true? A couple years older. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's right. A uh, year older, but we're both, uh, you know, NOD, Riffle Royals. Love it. You got to love the NOD. My kids went to uh, Riffle, too. So uh, were you quarterback, Sean? Yeah, you know, I thought uh, I was I was QB one, and then I just thought I'd move over a position to to let. No, I, I played DB. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Zinger could sling the ball, couldn't he? Back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Right to the DB. Right to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Hey, uh, Sean, uh, you made a sign that got some attention at the game. Uh, Zinger sends me a text. He goes, "Look at my buddy Sean. He made this sign here. It says down bad for Bedard. I kind of like suck hard for Bedard. That's good. That's a good one." Uh, anyway, you probably got more attention had you wrote that down. So, uh, um, how are you feeling about your chances to get the phenom, Connor Bedard? Oh, I cannot wait. You know, um, the auto senders did us a huge favor losing to Columbus last night. So, they're they're tied in points, and now we just need uh, the Chicago Blackhawks to follow suit. I think they play the Flames next. 
and then we could all be tied at 56 points. You know, the Flames almost blew it against the Ducks last night, and I was losing my mind. I know. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's who wants to get that playoff spot or doesn't want it, Winnipeg and Calgary. That's coming up Wednesday. So, yeah, let's check this out, Sean. We got 11 days, four teams, one guaranteed top three pick. Now, the team that finishes last still has almost a 75% chance of not getting Bedard, but it gives you the best odds available by far. And a dead last finish assures a team will have no worse than the number three pick. So you'll either get Bedard, Michigan center Adam Fantilli, or Swedish center Leo Carlson, or maybe that Russian winger uh, Matvey Michkov. So I don't know. I don't know how. Like, do you want Bedard, or you'd, you'd be okay with somebody else? I mean, come on, come on, Baldy. Do I want the dart? Are you kidding? Okay, so I grew up in Regina. Yeah, I know. Years. Yeah. And so just watching him grow up with the Pats and, like, everything and then cheering for the Ducks, it's all aligning. It's all coming full circle. I didn't just make a stupid sign to get on TV and then just go nationwide in, like, tweets like that got seen by, like, six figures of people to not get Bedard. It's coming full circle. It's happening. You're pairing him with McTavish, who is a beauty. You got Zegers. You got Troy Terry. I mean, you just got a, this plethora of prospects. It's going to be a, an upcoming SoCal. And then, I mean, you got the Angels. They got Otani. They got they got Trout. And now the, now the Ducks, they can have Bedard and Zegers in the crew. It'll be great. Do you think Bedard's going to be as good as everybody thinks? he's going to be in the NHL? I think so. He, he's gotten through this far, putting like five points a game, just being uh, his little gritty self type of thing. And he's managed, like, there's ways that people of his stature manage as a hockey player. And you can tell if they have it or not. You know what, Sean, uh, Sean Kreitz? You know, I, um, I was laughing. I was bugging some Blades fans. It's like, well, if you didn't have Bedard, what would you have? Well, we've got Bedard. So, like, what do I care? Um, so, check this out. The, the Blackhawks lead. Uh, the Blackhawks suck. I don't know if I should say lead the way. It's the Blackhawks followed by your Ducks, Blue Jackets, and Sharks. Now, the Blackhawks have Calgary away, Vancouver away, Seattle away. Away, Minnesota home, Pittsburgh away, Philadelphia at home. That's a pretty tough schedule for the Blackhawks, although they do got Taves back in the lineup. The Blue Jackets have Toronto away, Jersey away, Rangers home, Flyers away, Pittsburgh home, Buffalo home. So that's kind of tough. Your Ducks, Sean, have the Oilers at home. Arizona away. That's not an easy one. Arizona's pretty good at the mullet. Uh, Colorado, they're battling, so that's tough. Vancouver's playing better hockey and L.A. I would suggest the Ducks probably have the... Well, I don't know. The Sharks got Colorado, Colorado, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton. Oh, no. Sharks have the worst. They could tank. Like, the Sharks could get Bedard. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if any of these teams that have like a solidified spot. I don't know, like if any of them are like locked into their matchups, but like if near the end of the year they start sitting some people or you know. Yeah, see, I'm against that. Here's how I think it should work. First of all, the NHL should change their playoffs. Do you agree yeah. with me? The way their playoffs now are stupid. I think everyone does. Hasn't everyone turned the full corner now? Like, okay, we tried it the other way. It sucks. Let's go back. Yeah, one and eight. Or at the very, I like when I was a kid, way, way back in the day, Sean, when it was one versus 16, two versus 15, three versus 14, because it makes the regular season more meaningful. That's what I think. I know travel would be all messed up and everything, but who cares? It made the it made the the regular season more meaningful. But here's what I think. I think the team 
teams in any sport, not just hockey, the teams that are closest to making the playoffs, like the three closest teams to making the playoffs, and if you have to break it down by percentage points and stuff, those are the teams that get the three top picks in the draft. Oh, okay. So, you, yeah, you're like the anti-tank a little bit. Yeah, so we're not tanking all the time. I've said this. How about the NFL? I've said this. You know how the NFL is this marketing machine? I'm surprised nobody's picked up Ballsy's idea on this. So, so, so the... <laughs> So, I mean, it's come on. I'm the smartest guy in the room. Just ask me. So here's the thing: when the when the uh, when the NFL playoffs are done, and we've got our Super Bowl matchup, we always have that stupid Pro Bowl. Now they've changed it to a flag football uh, game. Why don't we have? And we could do this in the NHL. Let's forget the NFL. Let's do this in the NHL. We're done before the playoffs start. You take the two worst teams, and they play a best of three series to see who gets the top pick overall. Okay. See, I'm following along a little bit. I, like, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Obviously, I think like uh, like soccer over in Europe has it the best with the relegation and promotion and everything where every game matters. But I don't know if you can do that over here. Um, but I kind of get where you're coming from. I just would be I worry about like the parity between the league. That like the the, the the sucky teams would just always be sucky. Yeah. Okay. But but okay. But now, but I'm switching it. The suckiest team. So let's take the Ducks and the Blackhawks. They're the two worst teams at the end of the season. They play a best of three to see oh. who gets the first pick, and then the Blackhawks get the second pick, and then the third worst team is still gets the third pick. So that oh, like okay, see see like in the NFL, you take between the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl, you got in the middle. There's that. There's that that stupid week between the end of the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Get rid of the Pro Bowl. Have the two worst teams play one game, and to to incentivize the players because they're banging up their bodies. The winning team, each player gets fifty grand. The losing team, each player gets twenty five grand, and the winning team gets the first overall pick. Yeah, I like the motivation part there, where you kind of give incentive to the players and whatnot. Because they obviously they're fighting for jobs for the next year too. Yeah. They want to win a little money on the line, you know. Yeah. That would spark a team to 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 get a first overall pick and some money. Sean Kreitz in Regina, growing up, you're not an Oiler fan, you're not a Jet fan, you're not a Flame fan. How the hell did you become a Ducks fan? Thirty seconds hey. or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it started out, me and my middle brother, Chad, we have a, a big rivalry. He was a Leafs fan, and then my oldest brother was a Habs fan, so I was like, gross, gross. But then it was, <laughs> he loved Matt Sundin in Sweden, and so for some reason, I saw Timo Solani in Finland, and I was like, let's be a rivalry there. And then from Solani to Getzloff, it just blossomed. Yeah, one of the greatest uh, hockey players ever from Regina, maybe the greatest, uh, was uh, Ryan Getzlaff, and then Chris Kunitz also uh, was a duck, too, for a time. Hey, thanks for yeah. your time, Sean. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Take care, man. The second greatest Sean to ever play at Riffle behind Sean Kleisinger is Sean Kreitz. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, he was a good defensive player. I remember him back in the day. I'll tell you that. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. Break. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Ah, yes. Let's get it going. We still have a couple of hundred tickets for this game coming up tomorrow night. Pats and the Saskatoon Blades. Game three of that quarterfinal series. Oh, settle down back there. 
Here. Pats had no chance. They got no chance. Blades are older. Yeah. Deeper. Aiden Delagorjandier. Yeah, Aiden Delagorjandier. He'll be all over uh, Bedard. Aiden Delagorjandier is going to stop Bedard. Aiden Delagorjandier. Aiden Delagorjandier. <laughs> Did I say it wrong? No, you said it right. I'm saying eh. he couldn't stop Bedard. No. Bedard had the hat trick, two assists. Pats win the hockey game 6 5 in overtime, and they're up two games to none. Yeah, the Pats held a 2 1 lead after 1, 4 3 after 2. Blade scored two unanswered goals less than 20 seconds apart for a 5 4 lead, but Connor Bedard tied the game late to complete the Hattie and force OT. He once again led the way offensively. Stanislav Sposal tallied a goal and a helper. Alexander Suzdalev picked Susie. up four assists. And how about this Sim guy? Ah, oh, he can't handle the load. He, the Blades got his number. And he made 42 friggin' saves. Actually, yeah, 42 saves. 18 of them in the third period. The Regina Pats, 6-5 victory. They're up two games to none. Get out the brooms. Here comes a sweep. Can you believe that? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? To be fair, he did let in like five goals if it wasn't for the past yeah, but the six. Edmund, but the Edmonton Oilers of the 80s, all Grant Fear had to do was stop that sixth one. All Drew Sim <laughs> has to do is stop that sixth one. That's all he's got. When hey. you have the nuclear weapon, Connor Bedard, you got Suze DeLev pouring in five assists. You got Sposal coming up from the back end. You, we didn't even talk about Tanner Howe yet. Braxton Whitehead. Whitehead. Zach, big Zach Stringer pounding home, too. Uh, come on. Yeah. Goaltending's overrated. Hey, and by the way, it's the Blades defense with Aiden Delagorjandier. De and uh, Sanderson and Gustafson not doing the job. It's the Pats coming through on the back end. So away we go. Hey, speaking of that, uh, we've heard from the Pats side. We'll get a little more from Clayton Croker up at Cruz 96. Was it Cruz 96.7 FM? Cruz 96. Point or is it 97? Cruz 96. <laughs> Cruise FM in Saskatoon. Cruise, yeah, we'll get a hold of him at Cruise FM in Saskatoon. He's also their in-house guy to do their public address announcing. We'll, he's got his uh, playoff stash going, his 0-2 stash, as I like to say. He will join us coming up here uh, in a little bit. But first, let's... 96.3. 96.3, that's what it was. Let's hear from the head coach of the... And the very good head coach of the Saskatoon Blades, uh, Brennan Sonny, after the game. Um, that's how we need to play now for the rest of the series. Game one, woof. But that one, that, that's how we need to play the rest of the series. We're focused on just that kind of... Uh, there's a whole bunch of different words you can use. Uh, a lot of synonyms. Grit, uh, desperate, uh, playoff mode, competitive, whatever one you want to use. That's our main focus. That's the main thing we have to bring now. There's adjustments we need to make, obviously, special teams-wise and here and there. The main thing is us being gritty like we were tonight. Obviously, we're disappointed in the result. But if we can play with that kind of war, then nothing to get down about. This is, this is a tighter series than 2-0 right now, I'll tell you that. We outchanced them, but we scored five goals. So offensively, I mean, things are... Things are happening. We're just saying that. That. If we can uh, outshoot a team 47 to, what did you say it was? 47 to 19? 47 to 18. With that kind of work and compete, why would we, why would we panic? That's how I feel. Let's 
Let's do that. That's what we need to do, and we'll be okay. Well, if you don't win lose, tomorrow, you lose. Be- yeah, do, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. I want you to do that. Lose. Go out there and lose. Okay. Okay, go team. Go do that. Okay, team. Go out there and that. get choking. Go choke. Yeah. That. So, so in all fairness to them, they did have forty-seven shots on net, but don't don't take a shot away from us. We did have nineteen shots on net, and that last one did go in. Give the credit where the credits due. We yeah. won the hockey we game. We won man. the. Yeah. This is what I get. Come from, on. This is what I get. Well, if you didn't have Bedard, what would you have? Just no respect, huh? We're up no. 2-0 no, and still, no. oh, no, man. Just do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that. Anyway. You know what? I don't like that. Who's the best player in junior hockey in the world? Connor Bedard. Five goals and three assists, eight points so far in his first WHL playoff. Stanislav Sposal had his second straight one goal, one assist game to give him four points in the playoffs. Alex Suzdalev has uh, five assists in the playoffs, four yesterday. The Pats are, here's a key zinger, got to stay out of the box. And when you go into the box, you got to kill off most of those penalties. Pats are a perfect six for six in the penalty kill so far in this series. The last time the Pats had a 2-0 series lead was round one of the 2017 WHL playoffs where Regina went on to sweep the Calgary Hitman before reaching the WHL final. Oh, hey, against Seattle. Hey, 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 hey. Get out the get out the high horn here. Oh, oh. Get it out. Where's get my boy? Out. Get where is it here? Where is it? Yeah. yeah. I smell a I smell a sweep. I smell a Is that a choke? <laughs> it's the blades horn. That's the blades horn. Shut that one off. Here's the blades horn. Jean Dier scores. Anyway, I'll tell you what, Zach Stringer, how about this guy? Scored the first power play goal of the series, his second career playoff marker. The first one was March 26, 2019, when he was a member of the Hurricanes. He scored the OT winner on the power play, finishing the goal with two games. Here's Zach Stringer. That's yeah, a little bit nerve-wracking. Obviously, you want to play a little bit defensive zone and kind of structured. And you know, not, you're not going to score the first shift, and you know, it's be done. So, I mean, just got got to stick with it. And uh, yeah. yeah, obviously, starting on the road's a little tough, and that uh, barn was electric. So, I mean, hopefully, uh, we can bring it here on Tuesday and Wednesday here. So, I mean, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, uh, you know, I played Lethbridge uh, 15, so I know the atmosphere a little bit. So, I mean, I hope it's a bit more buzzing here. With the skilled guys on your team, how fun is it to play on the power play? Oh, it's unbelievable. You know, it's, you know, the kind of shot and Susie loves, you know, passing ability. You know, you just kind of got to stand there and hope for the puck comes to you and uh, score your opportunities. Is that now the biggest goal that you've scored, do you think, in your career, given that you've had scored as a 15 year old in the playoffs before? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was a big game, game two, obviously, and uh, to get that lead is huge. I mean, two more to go, so we'll uh, keep pushing here. Two wins, can't argue with that, but where do you need to improve to continue this rolling? Yeah, I think we just need to tighten up our defensive zone, obviously keep keep out of the penalty box, and uh, yeah, keep playing our structure, keep uh, getting pucks in, and yeah, keep uh, hitting. How about the play of Drew Sim? 47 shots, that's a lot to take. But Yeah, he's been playing unreal. I mean, he's been our backbone all year, so I mean, expect nothing from nothing less from him. Were you find that I don't know if you turned on Sports Center this morning, but to see your goal on Sports Center? Oh no, I didn't see that. But uh, I mean, that's pretty cool. By the way, uh, let's go. Um, let's go to the phone line here nine three six sixty two sixty two. We've got uh, a big Saskatoon Blades fan on on the phone. Yeah, I go ahead. Hello, hello. Hi, go ahead. Oh, oh. <coughs> How about that? <laughs> It's happening even when they don't play. 
You scared to get on the air. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Playoff fever hitting the Queen City. We still got tickets. Still available for tomorrow's Game 3, Pats and the Saskatoon Blades. Our special pregame show starts at 6.10. Faceoff just after 7 with Dante DiCaria. Not sure who his color man's going to be, but probably Drew Posty. I think that's a pretty good bet. Um, I'll be doing it on TV on Access Now, so that's cool. With uh, Nolan Cole, voice of the Estevan Bruins, driving up to do the game with nice. me. Nice. Uh, Zinger doing a great job on that side of the board. He's had to, if you hear some clicking in the background, he's had to resurrect our. Uh, <laughs> Our computer because it died, so he's uh, doing some fancy dancing over there. I'm I got, building a spaceship to go to the moon. That's what you're doing. We got a text here on our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. Mike, hey, Blades fans are calling Bedard a diver, bunch of morons. I'm smelling choke and sweet. Pats are out playing Saskatoon, beating them to the puck, and they're getting out coach. Well, why wouldn't they get out coach? Brendan Sonny's a great coach, but we got John Paddock on our bench. That's Ken right, Schneider baby. on our bench. That's Brad right. Brad Haroff on our bench. That's right. And we got the best player in the world in junior hockey in Connor Bedard. I am smelling a sweep. Blades, if they want to win, if they want to get back in the series, tomorrow is a must win. And they're gonna they're gonna bring their best again. But didn't they bring their best the first two games? And it didn't work? They so. brought that. They brought whatever they that brought was. That. Whatever that was. They want more of that. A 6-5 that. overtime loss. I'd be happy with that. Uh, okay, so uh, we're supposed to be joined by Clayton Croker from 96.3 Cruise FM, our sister station in Saskatoon. He's a great morning man. Um, he's the in-house guy for their... Uh, you know, public address announcer for the and get the crowd whipped. Not the public address announcer, oh. but he's the in-house guy to he get the crowd whipped into a frenzy. He didn't show up. No, he didn't show up. Just like the blades that he loves, he did not show up. He was a no-show. So that's okay. We get a chance to talk or listen to the phenom. That would be our buddy Connor Bedard. Yeah, obviously a big uh, start, obviously, and uh, you know we're happy about getting those two wins. But uh, you know you got to win four to, to win a series, so uh, we can't be you know. And, uh, are too happy about it. We gotta, you know, take what we did well, but obviously learn what we could do better, and you know, try to get these next two. Yeah, it's pretty big just to start it off and you know get your confidence and stuff. But like I said, I mean, it's just two. We got a, a lot of work to do. Yeah, it really didn't feel like that. I mean, once I saw that after the game, I wasn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't know. But uh, you know, obviously that 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 can't happen again. I mean, Semmer's obviously been been unreal for us, and uh, you know, those two games, he was he was so good. So uh, you know, we got to try to make his job a little easier and. And limit the shots and and that sort of thing. Was it a big advantage for you guys playing those two games in Saskatoon before you play in the regular season before you play the two playoff games? Kind of you know helps a little. I think just with the familiarity of playing each other, I'm sure they they feel the same way about that. And um, you know just having those those couple games before the series started, we kind of we didn't know for sure, but we knew that was a you know high very likely possibility. So um, you know to get those and and see what they're like uh, you know again from from the start of the year. So. Um, you know, I think it was nice, but you know, in the end, it's not not too big of a thing. What kind of spark do you get when you get like big offensive production from guys like Shanson and Barnett? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, Shanson's you know first career goal, so you know we were super fired up, and you know for that to be the one that you know started our playoffs off, it was it was awesome. He's been uh, he's been playing so good ever since he got back, and um, you know he's so so skilled and someone that you know is going to be going to be such a good player. So um, you know for him to uh, contribute like that, it was awesome to see, and you know see Barney too. I think that. That pass he made to me was unreal. So he's been he's been great, and you know just just all four lines have been uh, rolling. So it's been awesome. Yeah, it, uh, it's it's exciting for us. I mean, obviously never been in a 
I don't think any, no, none of our guys have been in a playoff game in the in the Brands, so uh, you know we're really excited for that, and you know our fans have been so great all year, so uh, you know we can't wait to see kind of what they bring uh, tomorrow and, and Wednesday night. How nice was it to see Zach Stringer get the overtime winner with the season he's had dealing with injuries and whatnot? Yeah, he's been he's been so good all year, and um, you know he's someone that contributes in in so many ways, and um, you know obviously last night he had, he had a big game, and uh, it's not only not only the goals, but you know some of the shots he blocked last night and and the penalty killing and everything he did. So uh, to see him obviously put that one in and and uh, you know have an impact like that, it was uh, it was awesome. But he always he always he's always doing stuff like that. You know I think with the depth we have, we have so many forwards and. Um, you know, obviously with some guys out, there's guys that are coming in and are excited to take on new roles and, and you know, really excel their game. So uh, we've we've been fortunate to have that all year with, with all our guys just, just stepping up. And, um, you know, we've been uh, pretty, pretty grateful for that. You mentioned, obviously, uh, you, need, you need core to win the series. But, uh, you know, how big is it uh, to, you know, get this one on Tuesday and really get a 3 0 stranglehold in the series? Yeah, for sure. You know, one game at a time, we still got that kind of zero-zero mentality, and uh, every game's so huge. So, uh, to win Tuesday would be be big for sure. And um, you know, but we're we're taking it one day at a time and trying to win every game we play. Obviously. What was the message on the bench when before you guys went into overtime? What was being said? <laughs> oh, just that uh, you know, be excited. It's the best part of hockey, these big moments, and um, you know, I think for us, a lot of a lot of guys kind of first OT in, in playoffs or, or a moment like that. So it was just don't be nervous, be excited. I mean, these are these are moments that. You know, you look back for and you look at look on as a kid, kind of to to, to be in. So uh, that was that was kind of the message. I think just just take it, uh, don't take it for granted, and go out there and obviously you want to win and everything, but but really enjoy that and uh, do everything you can to uh, to get that goal. You know, five goals against with Simmer played unreal, and you know I think on our on our you know team defense we. Uh, you know, we got to try to limit some of their chances, but um, you know I think with them making it five four and then us being able to you know, stick to our game and, and be able to come back there was uh, pretty big for us just to know that know that we can do that. And uh, but you know I think uh, you know those those are those are playoff games, those tight games, and that's what we got to get used to for sure. Yeah, well the first game wasn't tight. The first game what was it six one? Six one. Yes. So who won that game? Uh. The Patricious. They did. Okay. And then, then game two, we were expecting a much better effort from the Blades, and they turned the series around. Now, we did get a better effort from the Blades, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And, but who won that game? Uh, the Patricious. They did. Uh, did the Blades' defense and goaltending lock down Connor Bedard? No. How many goals he got in the series? What's he got? Five? Yeah. And how many assists? Three, I believe. So he's got eight points in two games. Yeah. Wow, they've contained him. Yeah, he's, um, they're doing a good job. But if we didn't have Bedard, we'd have nothing, right? Nothing. What does Suzdalov have for goals? He's got two. And how many assists does he have? He's also got two. How many assists does uh, Alex Suzdalov have? He has five, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And how many did he get yesterday? Four. Four. <laughs> wow. Wow. And 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 you know that plugger, that guy that doesn't really, he doesn't look very poetic on the ice, but he he wears number thirteen, Zach Stringer. How many goals did he get? He has two yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a presence in front and, and, of the net. And didn't he, didn't he get the game winner? Yes, he did. OT, baby. And you know what? Tanner Howe really hasn't done much here. Yeah, much. That's a good point. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, Drew Sim, he's a Civ, eh? Yeah. How many, how many shots did he face yesterday? It was uh, 50, 47. Yeah, so he made... He made uh, 42, 42 saves. Yeah. Yep. Wow. 42. Wow, Quick man. math. Boy, you are on it. Oh, thanks, man. Man, you are a Pats historian. Uh, I'm as good as Kevin Shaw. I Kevin Shaw. No, Kevin Shaw. That's no. disrespectful. Kevin does a great so job. Sorry, that is Kevin. disrespectful, absolutely. God, so, I'm an idiot. Uh, I, I don't know about you. Do you, honestly, all joking aside, do you see a sweep? 
Uh, I think the Blades get one. Yeah, they get one. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think well, they if get they're one. getting one, it better be tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. If they don't get tomorrow night's game, it's over in a sweep. Put yeah. them away. I think the Pats win tomorrow. And, no, actually, I think I think the Pats are going to sweep. Them. Sweep. Better coach, better goaltending. You best convinced player. Me. Yep. Best it's player. It's over. We're Don't going it. to the WHL S- championship. And Saskatoon, I heard, is not driving up till tomorrow. Listen, save the fuel. Save the fuel. Don't even bother. You guys made a nice, tidy profit with the Pats playing there. At the end of the regular season and in the playoffs, something like $750,000. So don't worry about Don't spend the gas money. Don't even just concede now. Give up. Hmm. Just give up. Okay, give up. Throw in the towel, if you will. Throw in the towel. Throw in. You know what? Or do what your coach said. Do that. <laughs> Sports ticker, it's 431 and is for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. March Madness final tonight, San Diego State Aztecs taking on the Ken- uh, Kentucky. How about the Ken- <laughs> Connecticut Huskies? No, not Kentucky. They blew it early on, I believe, I think. And uh, so... Opening tip tonight, 7.20 p.m. Who do you got winning this? I think the Yukon Huskies are going to be taking home the win, but uh, we're going to tune in and see later on tonight. Major League Baseball, we had a couple finals in store. Uh, the Chicago White Sox lost big time at home today. 12-3 to was the final against the San Francisco Giants. The Milwaukee Brewers, how about that? They shut out the New York Mets at home, 10 to nothing. And later on this evening, the Toronto Blue Jays, they start up a big uh, set in Kansas City against those Royals. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. The CFL Report brought to you by Kevin's Marine. Make the most out of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Coupelle. Kevin'sMarine.com. End of last week, I had CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi on the show to answer a number of questions, including the rumor that Tom Brady was interested in purchasing the Montreal Alouettes. Here's what Ambrosi had to say. Well, I, all I can say is I don't remember talking to Tom uh, at any point during the process, so I don't know where that uh, where that rumor came from. Look, he's obviously an iconic figure in the game of football. And had uh, had Tom indicated some interest that we would have loved to have talked to him. Uh, But I can honestly say this. I could not be more thrilled. There's no way you could make me more thrilled than I am to welcome uh, Pierre Collaro Palado into the league. The way he approached it, the way his organization, Michael, approached the, uh, the, the conversation with us. Every step of the way, they wanted this to be a win win. They wanted they. Pierre Carl wanted to enter that first governor's meeting, which he did yesterday. He wanted to enter this as a true partner to the Canadian Football League and, and the rest of the governors, and he did a spectacular job of that. Uh, yesterday, uh, or the, earlier this week, they announced the hiring of Mark Waitman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark is going to be a welcome addition to our management council team, and you know, Mark is a known commodity and very well respected. They're just they've done everything right. I don't know who would have called us. I don't think there is a, I don't think there's a group in the world that could have picked up the phone and called us that would have been more impressive than the way Pierre Carl Palado and his team handled this. So 
Look, we're just absolutely thrilled. And look, if Tom wants to call me, I'll, I'll be happy to share my number, and we can talk about it. We can talk about other things, but for now, what we should all do is just focus on the fact that the CFL just got stronger in uh, in Montreal, and we got stronger as a league. We're six weeks away from training camp. I think I speak for both of us when we say, I can't wait. Oh, absolutely. Now, the good news is, Michael, we, we love the idea of training camp, you and me, and you're right. But that's because we don't have to take part in training <laughs> yes. camp. Yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun. No, absolutely not. Hey, <laughs> Commissioner, thanks for your time, man. We'll chat soon in person. Michael, have a slice of pizza, and I'll see you soon. By the way. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. By the way, that was uh, much ado about uh, nothing. That whole uh, CFL, uh, Tom Brady going to buy a team. It was a, it, it was uh, it was for clickbait. It was it was to get attention. You don't think that Tom Brady, if he was going to buy. A uh, CFL team, the likes of Adam Schefter or uh, Ian Rappaport or Peter King would have the story first. <laughs> or Dave Naylor. Dave Naylor, the TSN CFL insider. He gets a lot of his stuff right from the CFL office. You don't think Dave Naylor would have broken that first? Come on, get out of here, Tom Brady, buying a CFL team. Uh, I mean, hey, if he does want to get involved, that'd be great. I have a tough time believing that the commissioner wouldn't look at that. Seriously, but let's be honest. Local ownership is always the best way to go, and hopefully Pierre Carl Palado works out perfectly. I think he'll be good. Yeah, he'll be good for sure. Well, it's early in the year, so I'm really into baseball, so you can tell on the show I'm kind of talking a little more about it than I normally would. That and the fact my Padres are a little better than normal, so here we go. There are 2,430 Major League Baseball games in a season, and every team hosts 81 home games, so tickets should be pretty cheap, right? Well, the average ticket price this year is about 35 bucks American, but it depends on the team. The Red Sox and Yankees average more than 60 bucks a ticket, while the average cost for a Diamondbacks or Marlins game is close to 20. That doesn't seem crazy, but obviously it adds up fast if you're uh, taking the whole family. And of course, the spending doesn't stop at the ticket, as you know, in all sports. The average baseball fan spends $51 American once they enter the ballpark, which includes concession food and drinks and beer and other alcoholic beverages, seat upgrades, parking, and team merch. That makes the overall cost about 86 bucks American a person or over $300 for a family of four. And in a recent survey, 47% of people say they plan on going to an MLB game this season, but 58% say they prefer to watch them at home or on TV, probably because it's cheaper and more convenient. The average fan who's planning on seeing a game in person say they expect to go to three games this year. And in a separate poll, 42% of baseball fans say they have a favorite MLB team, and 22% have a least favorite team. Now, 26% of those say they hate the Yankees, 11 hate the Red Sox, only 4 are still upset that the Astros were cheating a few years back. And in honor of America's favorite pastime being back, grab some peanuts and Cracker Jacks and enjoy the sports cage list of the top 5 ways baseball is just like America. It's really hard to get home safe. The Yankees are obnoxious. Everyone 
crowds the plate. <laughs> Another way baseball is just like America. Dads love movies about it, starring Kevin Costner. Another way baseball is just like America. Guys with no game always strike out. Young people are ambivalent about it. Another top way baseball's just like America, Chicago sucks. And cheaters always win, especially in politics. All right, uh, yeah, baseball is back, and actually uh, back with a couple of games early on today, and uh, you mentioned it, Zinger, on your uh, sports ticker there at uh, 4.30. It was a uh, blowout win for the uh, Giants. They uh, ended up... uh, who are they playing? They're playing the uh, White Sox today, 12-3. I said Chicago sucks, and they did. How about the Mets, though, losing to the Brewers? 10 nothing. Still to come, our Toronto Blue Jays. I say our. Oh, it's the Canadian team. Not my Jays, but they are playing the Royals today. How are you feeling about the Jays after the first weekend? That was a... Uh, <laughs> I don't feel very... Well, I... I... If you were to ask me this question when I was like 12, 13 years old, I would have been like, the season's done. It doesn't mean anything. You were talking me off the ledge because I was mad the first two games and the Padres lost to the Rockets. It's the tough Rockies. because, you know, everybody, when opening day comes, it kind of feels like playoffs already. Yeah, it does. You know? You're right. Good point. Good point. Your team taking on the Royals. My team, the Padres, home to the Diamondbacks. Um, I'm just trying to see if there's any other marquee matchups early on here. I guess, eh, not really. Phillies and Yankees maybe, but the Phillies... Are banged up. That game going on at five. Atlanta, St. Louis. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's, that's a, a nice good. Yeah, that is a good one. Game. That is a good one. Padres got the Braves next. That's a good one. Braves yeah. are going to be a good team this year. Atlanta Braves, baby. Real good team. Um, all right. What else can we tell you about? Now, this may have been an April Fool's joke. I think it is. Because uh, you pointed it out to me. Came across the Three Down Nation uh, website, which we do look at because they do a great job over there. Calgary Colts have hired former CFL head coach Tom Higgins as defensive coordinator for the 2023 season. Now it's believable because he was with the U of A Golden Bears. He was director of officiating. He got his start in Calgary as a coach in 1982 at the Dinos. They went on to win the Vanier Cup in 1983. Of course, uh, won a great cup with the Edmonton Eskimos football team here in that one-handed catch by Ben Cahoon. Mm-hmm. And what was that, the 2003 Grey Cup here? Yeah. Uh, in Going Saskatchewan. towards the north end zone. Yeah, that's right. What a man. great catch. Anyway. West side um, of the field. I was sitting in the end zone. I know. Colts are part of the CJFL. Last year they were 2-6. and six. Um, They have won two national championships, 1989 and 1990. Uh, I went on their website, though. I don't see Tom Higgins listed as the coordinator, so either they're slow, their website, or that was not, and there was no comment from Tom Higgins in the article. And so it came out April first. Yeah, you know, so it probably didn't happen. You're but right. The thing is, they tweeted it at six p.m. on April first. You know, technically, that's a good point. At noon, you got to stop. You got to stop doing that kind of stuff. That is, oh, we could call Three Down Nation on that. So if you're gonna do a joke like this, does anybody know? Is that true? Nobody from the Colts returned my calls. I typed in Tom Higgins on Twitter just to see if anyone's talking about it, and no yeah. one seems so to. Want must be true. Tommy. And I went on their website, and it doesn't say that he's the D coordinator. It's blank with no head coach or a coaching picture. Now, the CFL has named nine new participants for its Women in Football program. Two participants from the program's inaugural season in 2022 were hired full-time by their clubs following their internship. Alicia Toraville joined the Elks as manager of football operations, and Paige Ottaviano became the Hamilton Tiger Cats manager of Grey Cup Festival and events. Now, Claire Dory, friend of the show, last year it was Amanda Ruler that was in training camp with the Riders, working out with their, um, as a 
coach with their running backs. Claire Dory will join the rider staff at training camp, and she joined us last month uh, to talk about her coaching journey. Um, you know, if that opportunity presents itself and that um, I am able to add value to that program, um, would would I love for someone to pay me to do what I'm passionate about? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I, I've said all along that, that my desire is to make sure that wherever I am, whatever programs I'm in, that I'm, I am, as I said, adding value and a contributing member. Um, you know, if the riders wanted to uh, knock on my door and, and put me on their coaching roster, would I, would I say no? I'd probably be a fool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but am I also very happy knowing that I'm, I'm working to develop um, young people and, and giving them that lifelong passion for sports? It's also very rewarding. All right. And lastly, uh, a, young, uh, a young girl or woman listening to this, what kind of advice do you have for them if they want to get into sports, get into coaching? You know what? Don't wait till the right moment. Don't wait till it's perfect. Just do it now. Just start, and it will all start to fall into place as you continue to progress and to grow. The opportunities are out there. Just just hit go. Laird Orr, a friend of the show, she'll be coaching with the Riders at training camp as part of the CFL's um Women in football program, nine participants taking part. In the NHL, Vegas has taken on Minnesota. Wilder one up on Colorado and Dallas in the Central. Uh, Vegas one up on LA and two up on the Oilers in the Pacific. Nashville is at Dallas and Arizona at Seattle. Seattle's three up on the Flames for the wild card. Flames take on the Hawks tomorrow in... I believe it's Calgary. Then they have a big game against the Jets. They're two back of the Jets for the final spot in the wild card. And the uh, the Flames got to win that one because the Jets hold the tiebreaker. There's NCAA men's basketball tonight. The championship game in Houston. Uh, San Diego State against UConn. UConn uh, in the big game for the first time since 2014 when they won it all. Aztecs are there for the first time. I got, I'm got. i hoping San Diego State's uh, going to win that one, but I got UConn. Zinger, how do you feel about the games being... I was seeing pictures from the semifinals, because the semifinals, the Final Four, all played in Houston where the Texans play. I forget what they call that stadium. NRG, yeah. NRG Stadium. Um how do you feel about games being played there? Like, I hate that. Well, well like, 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 like you, it's one thing to sit in the bleeders like we did for the Chargers and for the Rams game in SoFi. But they had people, I saw pictures, people, see, you could barely see the court. People are right up in the bleeders. Yeah, and people pay like thousands of dollars on the secondary market to yeah. sit that far away to watch a basketball game. NCAA is a dirty, corrupt organization, let's be honest. Yeah, oh, I know. It's just terrible. Anyway. Uh, w- I love watching it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, me too. We're suckers. WWE and the company that runs UFC combining for one company, twenty-four or $21.4 billion sports entertainment company. Now, Vince McMahon and Nick Khan. Vince is the executive chairman at WWE. Nick Khan will serve as president still, and the president of UFC is going to be Dana White as always. Now... We have seen stars like Brock Lesnar, who was in WrestleMania, and Ronda Rousey, also in WrestleMania, crossing over between the two businesses. So it's already been that way. And so we'll see what happens. I wonder if Conor McGregor would ever cross over. He, uh, he would be really good, like, uh, like persona. Yeah, like, you for know, the he promos. can't swear and stuff yeah. because it's for kids. But. Yeah. yeah. So, so he tweeted against uh, Paul Heyman, the WWE talent guy and manager. Uh, McGregor posted an image holding the UFC and WWE world title simultaneously. 
simultaneously. Heyman called the MMA star a Roman Reigns wannabe. Reigns just won the uh, championship again, beating Cody Rhodes uh, yesterday at uh, SoFi Stadium. Uh, McGregor responded to Heyman saying, careful, Grandpa, I'll show up and break your jaw in three places. That's funny. That's <laughs> Those are showmen right there. Um, and at the World Men's Curling Championship in Ottawa, we kind of butchered it earlier, Canada improved to 3-2, and two, beating Japan 6 to three. Uh, you can text us anything you want, 936-6262. We even got a time for a call on the other side of the break at 936-6262. Our text line powered by the Capital Auto Mall, or you can get a hold of us long distance, 1-866-767-0620. What do you think of the Western Hockey League playoffs? Warriors up 2 nothing on the Hurricanes. The Pats up 2 nothing on the Blades. I smell oh. I smell a sweep. Oh, no, I think I do too. You know what else I smell? Mm. Hot dogs? You know what the Blades are? Hungry. Oh, chokers. <laughs> You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. For another pick six with Ballsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. These are the six overreactions as it relates to the opening week of Major League Baseball. Wander Frank will be the MVP and Jeffrey Springs the Cy Young Award winner. Man, the Rays look great this weekend. It was against the Tigers, but it still counts. It's a Major League game. Franco and Springs played big roles. Franco went 7 for 11 with a homer, 3 doubles, and 2 walks. Springs threw 6 no-hit innings, struck out 12, walked just 1, and used a changeup that threw off batters all game long. Number 2 overreaction. There are too many stolen bases. When Major League Baseball surveyed fans in advance of designing the rule changes that debuted the big leagues this year, the stolen base was clearly ID'd as something fans missed in the modern game. As of today, after the first week, we're on pace for about 3,400 steals, which would be the most since 1999 when 3,421 bases were swiped. And we're only slightly above the rate produced of uh, 3,279 steals in 2011. So that's a bit of an overreaction. Overreaction number three on the pick six. How did the Phillies manage to lose 16-3? This season better not be a World Series hangover. Well, World Series hangovers are possible even for the teams that lose that series. The hangover comes not from drinking beer and celebratory champagne, but from the wear and tear of a long October. Now, Bryce Harper's ahead of schedule in his rehab from Tommy John surgery, but losing Reese Hoskins to a torn ACL hurts the lineup depth and injury setbacks for... Ranger Suarez and Andrew Painter hurt the rotation depth. The fifth starting pitcher is Matt Strom. You know, Matt Strom, the reliever. Don't worry, Philly fans. You'll be fine. Number four overreaction on the pick six. Chris Sale of the Red Sox is washed. I saw one fan put that on Twitter. In the three-game series with the Red Sox and Orioles, 
50 runs were scored on 74 hits, so to be honest, every pitcher looked washed up. But Sale had a really frustrating first out in giving up seven earned runs in just three innings. He called it, quote, the most embarrassed I've been on a baseball field. His fastball topped out at almost 98 miles an hour, so that didn't look washed up. He got whiffs on 13 of his 30 swings and six of nine outs came via the K. He just couldn't locate, as they say in baseball, but his next start's against the Tigers. <laughs> I'm predicting he finds his rhythm. I saw a lot of Cardinal fans overreacting to their 2-1 weekend over the Blue Jays. Every time I turned on the Cardinals-Blue Jays game this weekend, at least one of the Cardinal players was on base. They hit 373 as a team while taking 2-3 of three from the Jays that trotted out Alec Manoa, Kevin Gosman, and Chris Bassett. Pretty good. Now, they won't outscore the Cards clubs that had Mark McGuire or Albert Pujols in their prime, but we definitely will see a fun summer in St. Louis. And by the way, never say the word best after the first week of a 162-game season. Boy, some baseball fans. And the sixth overreaction in the pick six, Chris Bassett was a terrible signing for the Jays. He had one of the worst starts of his career in Sunday's game in St. Louis. Over three and a third innings, the right-hander set career highs and earned runs with nine, home runs allowed with four, and tied his career high with ten hits allowed in the Jays' 9-4 loss to the Cardinals. After the outing, Bassett said, I've never had a game like this, where six different pitches were getting hit hard. Bassett signed a three-year, $63 million deal with the Jays in the offseason. Now, Jays manager John Schneider put it better than I ever could when talking about overreaction. Quote, he's the ultimate teammate, competitor, so I think just putting our guys behind the eight ball got punched in the mouth real hard, and then we came right back with three, Schneider said. The sun ball didn't help. It happens. You hate that. Kind of leads to another big inning, but Bassett's the kind of guy I think consistently he's going to keep us in games. Today just wasn't his day. Well put, Skipper. And this isn't an overreaction, but it is a, a good extra point. The pitch clock is definitely doing what it was intended to do. Now, there will be complications. Pitchers and catchers must learn to adjust to prevent innings from spiraling out of control. And we could see a spike in injuries with the pace of play being picked up, especially as it relates to the pitchers. But right now, let's enjoy. For example, the miserable game has become tolerable. Texas's 16-3 shellacking of the Phillies finished in three hours and seven minutes, just one minute longer than the average game in 2022. The mundane game has been cleaned up. The Marlins down the Mets 2-1 on Friday in two hours and nine minutes. And the close, exciting game is still close and exciting. There was plenty of late-inning drama in Arizona's 2-1 win at Chavez Ravine over the Dodgers on Friday. The game lasted two hours, 41 minutes, with all the needed baseball moments not dragging the game deep into the California night. So, Zinger, here's a question for you. What's the better-sounding sport? Is it hockey? You know, with the skates on the ice and if it hits the post or the passing to stick to stick, that is a great sounding sport. You have to admit. I know you're not a big hockey guy. Or is it baseball? The crack of the bat, the ball in the glove, that type of thing. It's, the organ. Dee, it's dee, baseball. Dee. You like on. baseball? Yeah, right? yeah. To me, it's baseball. To me, it's close. My, my favorite sport 
to listen to has always been baseball. Not talking um, listen to. I'm talking what's the best sounding sport with the sounds of the game. Is yeah, it hockey? Well, yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand, though. You're listening to it. You know, yeah. sounds. You're listening to sounds, right? Yeah. So, like, I, I'm going to have to say baseball. I love. I miss the hockey organ because the baseball organ, there's nothing mm-hmm. like it. Like, and also, for baseball games, you yeah. can hear it sometimes uh, when you're at games or yeah. when you're listening to it on the radio. You hear, yeah. You'll hear in the background, hot dogs here! Hot dogs. Yeah, that's good. You know, yeah, I like that. Something like that. I like that. You hey, don't hear that at hockey games. By the way, even though I get the guy's angst, uh, that video is going viral of the... Somebody tried to tell me he was a Pat fan. I don't know if it was a Pat fan or a Blade fan, but he was an idiot. He went after the parking attendants who were blocking oh, off a yeah. route to get out. And those are two horrible stadiums to get out of. The Pat's Brant Center and Sastel Center. I mean, it's embarrassing how it's organized. Uh, but you can't get mad at the attendance. This dude throws the guy's baton or whatever, you know, and kicks him. Like, yeah. are you an idiot? Those guys showed, those uh, parking attendants showed great restraint, and that guy's a fool. Just, you know what? That guy oh. should be, he probably is. He should be embarrassed. Of he should be embarrassed. You uh, just sit in your seat for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 40 minutes and wait for the traffic to drain out. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. And yes, we're happy to have the coach on each Monday. It's brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com. Craig, welcome to the show. Appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Yeah, good to be with you, Michael. So I'm interested in visiting with you. Yeah, so Coach, I'm going to throw this out to you on the fly. Think of it. Uh, I'll give you a second to think about it. So I got a guy here, Sean Kleisinger. He's my producer. You heard him off air. Uh, we had a computer meltdown. He's operating the show, lining up guests <laughs> like yourself and trying to set get the computer reset. It's not as easy as going Control-Alt-Delete. Is there a person that's an unsung hero within your coaching staff, players, organization that doesn't get a lot of fans? fair but it's kind of a glue person yeah uh nick Bowley, our video coordinator he's that guy for us so if something goes wrong with our technology another guy nate nathan that helps him out is also pretty good so those guys in the video department michael they're kind of our our knights in shining armor if we're having issues with the computer or something to do with the film or something to do with with any technology those guys are really smart and they usually come in, and it's it's uh, a simple fix and something we should have should have known ourselves, but, but we uh, we didn't. <laughs> you're, Those you're, are the guys, the video crew, they're the best. You're an old fifty year old guy like me. You can't figure it out. I love it. Uh, damn, te- <laughs> damn technology. But talk about that. How much has technology changed, and has it made your life better in terms of coaching? Yeah, that's a great question, Michael. It changed a ton. When I first got into the league. Yeah, teams were still watching VHS tapes, and if you wanted to make a cut up, you had to, you had to like literally uh, set the VCR to zero, and then you had to document the uh, the time code of when you wanted to play cut out and when you wanted it ended. And that it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it was twenty years ago now. And now everything's on computer. Um, you can watch so many more different cut ups. You can watch film. Of, so many more different ways. You can go back three, four, five years 
in the in the computer and pull up film that that uh, in the old days you could never do that. And it's made it's made it's made it easier to to watch more film. But I think by doing that, it's also made it our jobs harder and more complex because there's just so much work to do because you're able to access film like you never could before. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. You're a good guy. You're a guy that, I've said this many times, you're a human being, and I know that sounds stupid, but you actually read books and you don't sleep under your desk and stuff. But, (laughs) but, 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 I I would say it it probably makes it harder to get away from the game. No doubt. Uh, George Cortez, a good friend of mine, and you know George from, his years in the CFL, he said the the um, advent of, of better technology, more technology has actually made the job um, longer and more uh, um, more. It's just made it more work. You, in the old days, you used to be able to watch a game or two on a VHS, and the, and the reality was you couldn't make a bunch of cut ups, so you had to just watch games and get a feel for it. Now, the way you can break up film, you can watch first and 10 you can watch what we call p and 10 which is possession and 10 the first play of every possession you can watch p and 10 for the last 20 games of an opponent so there's just so much more you can watch and so many more ways you can categorize it that it's actually made made it hard to get out of the office because there's always something something else to look at and you always feel like well let me let me do a little bit more before i leave because it's right there in front of you to do i i have a lot of great football uh chats with my son it's kind of cool now he's a young man he said dad my football knowledge has jumped leaped and leaps and bounds going to uh to the u.s but i hear this from guys too hey i i i learn how to be a pro and part of that is watching film is there like do you does it take a while for a guy coming from college to learn how to watch film as a as a pro and is there an art in that yeah, it does. And, and here's why. Most of the time when you're watching film as a player, you're watching yourself. And it's and you're watching yourself uh, not in a in a self-analysis, critical sort of way. You want to say, hey, watch this play I made here. Look at this block I made here. And I don't, I don't think that the analysis part of watching film is learned until literally like four or five years in. And uh, it takes a lot of work, and we try to help our players along with that by giving them study guides and watching film with them and actually trying to teach them how to watch film. And and the fact you're not just watching TV, you're not trying to be entertained here, you're trying to actually (laughs) study, study an opponent and see if you can find some tendencies and see if you can figure out uh, um, you know what they're doing as opposed to just watching it while you're eating popcorn it's funny it's funny because a lot of players Luke or whoever I talk to they, they'll leave a game and they'll think man I had a great game I can't wait to get in there and watch the cutups on film then they get in there and they get absolutely roasted oh yeah oh yeah I've been in that I've been on those shoes too I remember in high school I had a I had a peel back block on a D end and I thought I just laid him out and I was so excited to see that with the guys and I was telling everybody, Look at you can't I got the great block you're gonna see in about a minute. And I remember I saw the block and I was like, That doesn't even look like I hit him that hard. I'm like, That's the best I got and uh <laughs> so, yeah. Even and I remember on a catch, I had a good catch in, in high school. And I'm like, you got to watch this. And everybody's like, that was it? I'm like, yeah, that was it. I thought it was a lot better than that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it never looks as good on film. No, it does. It does. Absolutely, it doesn't. Coach Craig Dickinson joining us here for McDougal Auctioneers. Hey, i got to ask you this because uh, Zinger and I were talking about this. What's the better sounding sport? Hockey with like the pads and the, the, the slap shot uh, or the puck off the post or the slamming into the boards? Or is it the crack of the bat, the ball in the glove, the organ at a baseball game? What, what, what game sounds mm. better, Coach? Boy, those are both really good examples of really good sports, and those those the description of those sounds that brings it home. But I would say hockey, just the the, the you know the blades cutting into the ice, mm-hmm. the, the shot, uh, the you know the when they stop. I think hockey's got better sounds, and they got more of them. Yeah, baseball. You, oftentimes, you can wait a long time until you hear that crack. Coach, now it's harder to hear sounds in football. Uh, you can, but what's your favorite sound in the game of football? My favorite sound is the pads clicking. Like you can just tell when guys are hitting. Yeah, it's a very sharp, crisp sound, and the pads are just—they're just clicking, and that's when you know you're playing at a high level because. Um, you you can hear that and it, it definitely it, it's um, something you remember when you hear it. Uh, the one I the one we don't hear it as often. Maybe it's because um, I don't know why we don't hear it as often. I you you go back to high school. I used to love when you got in the huddle and then ready break and every it's a clean crisp break. I used to love that one. Yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, they don't do it as much now because there's so much stuff uh, at the line of scrimmage. But that's a that's another good sound, too. Absolutely. All right. When we come back, I'm going to get to some more football-related questions here with Coach Craig Dickinson. It is the Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage. The Craig Dickinson Show continues for McDougal Auctioneers. Coach, it's hard to believe, man. I look at the calendar. May the 10th, so just over a month, about six weeks away, not even. We're going to be having rookie camp in Saskatoon. Yeah, it's coming fast, and and uh, you can feel it. There's good energy right now. I've been visiting with the staff quite a bit. Uh, we're still finishing up our draft grades on guys from from the CFL combine and such, but you know, you look at the calendar and you start figuring out weeks and you're right. It's, it's coming fast and it's, it's going to be here before you know it. And we're, we're excited about it. Coach, uh, Luke and I uh, watch training camp. We love it. Uh, Luke, of course, played a little more analytical than me, but uh, I like to think I know the game. There's one thing that I don't know. Do I say bothered me? It was an interesting observation and we both had it. So there, there maybe was something to it, at least amongst us. We felt like a training camp last year. Something was a little off, like the almost the the demeanor. I almost felt like some of the players weren't taking it serious. Maybe it maybe it was me. Maybe it was Luke. But will there be a different demeanor, different mindset at this year's training camp? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, last year's training camp was weird because we never even really got started. The players were, you know, they went on strike. There. True. Week, yeah, um, and then we were kind of in it. It seemed like a rush mode to try to get ready for that first preseason game. So, um, I will say this: with the length of training camp being a little longer this year, just the way it, it worked out, we'll probably try to to be more teach mode early on. Really try to make sure our guys are understanding what we want from them, what we what we're trying to get across in terms of the offense, defense, special teams, and so. 
Um, I, I think I'd like to have it ramp up a little slower. I know that's a little bit non-traditional. Usually, you just beat them to death the first two weeks and then pull back. But I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to do it a little more professional style, similar to what we did in Oakland with the Raiders, and a little more teach early and then try to just slow burn and try to ramp it up as we go. Is it more advantageous to have uh, more time like that, a training camp? I think so, yeah, because you don't feel like you got to jam everything in. You can really evaluate you guys and focus on practice. If you got a game right away, I think sometimes you prepare for that game a little bit too much and you're not able to, to get your stuff in maybe as much as you'd like. So I, I think it's going to be – I like the, the way training camp's broken down. I've looked at it. Jeremy and I have talked about it and – we're going to have a little more of a teach emphasis early, and hopefully they get their legs under them and we can wrap it up um, a bit more going into the second week. Well, you hope Nelson LaCombo can uh, be like his brother Bo, who's had a pretty good career here in the CFL. Assess Nelson's uh, you know, career to this point for, uh, for me and coming off that Achilles and where you see him factoring in this year. Sure. I think it's a big year for Nelson, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. It's his third year. First year was a wash because he got hurt. Uh, year two showed some real promise. I thought he showed some real um, real potential there. He can really move. He's, he's got great athleticism. He's got to get a little bigger and a little stronger, and he knows that. And, uh, you know, this is a big year for him because we're going to allow him to play multiple positions. We'll start him at, at free, and we might move him to halfback, and we just got to see where he fits in. And, um it's a big year for him. You know, he's on his rookie contract. It's a three-year deal, so this will be his last year under that. So it's kind of a year for him to show he's going to be a guy that can play and play a lot. Uh, or if he doesn't have a good year, then, then you know, going into his next contract, there's going to be a um, question about where to play him and and, uh, and to sign him or not. So yeah. he's a great dude. Nelson, hard worker. I think he's got some toughness in him as well. So I think he's got uh, a lot of ability, and I think – has a limit for him, but he's got to have a good camp, and he's got to come to camp ready to go. How about Jaden Dalkey? Came on the scene when you know you see him as a late pick. Yeah, I knew of him at the U of A, and of course he was an older guy coming in because he played junior ball too. And Dalkey was the guy. It's like okay, well, yeah, maybe he'll stick around. Who knows? And then all of a sudden he flashed. And I had uh, your D coordinator on, Jason Shivers, and he said by the end of the year he we really could trust this guy. And I really look forward to seeing what he can do this year. How about from the head coach's uh, vantage point? Yeah, I would agree with Jason on that. Dalkey, first of all, Dalkey's tough, and you can see that right away. Like, he's not afraid of anybody or anything. And we learned that right away in camp. We've had a um, kind of a team bonding deal where we all went to the pool at the University of Saskatchewan there, and uh, they had this high dive in there, and a few guys were jumping off of it, and then Dalkey gets up there and does some sort of, like, reverse two-and-a-half cork flips, you know, <laughs> and hits it. Like, so we're like, this guy's crazy. Like, this guy, he's got a lot of guts, and he's not afraid of anything. And, and it carries over into how he plays. He plays with great physicality. He's not afraid to put his, his head in there and hit you. And um, the more he learns and, the, and the, the more experience he gets, he's going to be a good player. So he was a real find. We feel like we got a good one there in that guy. This is Coach Craig Dickinson joining us for a few more minutes. His weekly Monday visit to Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers. Matt Dunnigan was on here last week. He had a lot of good things to say about you. I know you coach with him in Calgary. Uh, what was it like uh, coaching with Matt Dunnigan? Well, Matt's just a great guy. You don't, you know, if you're around him very long at all, you can really just sense it. And that—that's what 
the funnest part about working with Matt was is just being being around him. It wasn't it was a scene where every you know every day when you went into the office and we weren't very good. I think we only won four games, but never there was never a bad day in the office. The guy was always upbeat, positive. You know, he had great respect to the players because he played at such a high level, and, and he you know he just had this charisma about him. Michael, that made it real easy to get along with him and real easy to work hard for him. So you've been an assistant a long time before you got the head coaching job here. How much, uh, uh, you know, how much did that help you shape who you are? You know, you coach with Dunnigan, you coach with this guy, you coach with that guy, you take a little from A, B, and C, and then bring it to what you bring to the table, and, and that's how Craig Dickinson attacks head coaching. Am I right when I say that? Yep. Yeah, you learn from everybody, so, you know, I worked for Wally for a year. I worked for Don Matthews. And Don might have been my most influential coach. He was just fearless in how he did things. He wasn't worried about uh, what it, the appearance was from the outside. You know, there's always in head coaching and in coaching in general, you always hear from, from management, well, it's not a good look, or this is maybe a little bit sensitive in, in terms of, of what it appears. And with Don, I'll tell you what, you know Don. He yep. did not care one bit about what it looked like. He just was going to do what he felt was best for the football team. And so that guy, I mean, that guy influenced me probably more than anyone in terms of my head coaching career. And he had uh, no dress code for the road. He said dress code doesn't have any translation into winning and losing. So, uh, And I just had a lot of respect for that. Now, I don't agree with everything he did for cer- for certain, but I just felt like the way he – was able to just narrow it all down to what helps us win football games and what is just stuff that gets done just because it's always been done that way, and he was able to eliminate a lot of that stuff. So you learn from coaches, you follow some examples of guys you respected and and liked working for, and then there's other guys that you felt like, you know, I felt like maybe didn't do it the way I would, and so I learned from that as well. Mm -hmm. When I got the reins, I tried to put my stamp on it, but also – lean on some of the guys like Don that I really respected. Coach, you've been involved in a lot of CFL games. Can you, does one come to mind where, man, that was a great game to be a part of? Well, the one that, the one that comes to mind, well, the Labor Day game when we beat Winnipeg in 19, that was an awesome mm-hmm. game, you know. Uh, back and forth the whole time, then we started our drive on the five-yard line, and we were able to drive it all the way down the field and use the clock and kick a field goal with zeros. That that's probably my most satisfying game as a coach that that Labor Day game in 2019. Yeah, and I'm sure you that's exactly if you were to draw it up this year, that's exactly you want to have some explosion on offense but you want to be able to control the game, right? That's totally it. You know, when you when you can control the game and you know that you're going to have the ball last and it takes the ability you got to be able to run the ball to do that and you got to have a quarterback that is, is smart and is efficient with the football. But when you feel that way, when that confidence comes that you know you can put drives together and there's nothing they can do to stop you, boy, that's, that's a good feeling. Coach, you went through a really tough year last year. Your team did. Uh, you know, some fair criticism. A lot of times it's unfair. I've said this before to Coach Paddock of the Pats. When a coach wins, he gets too much of the credit. When he loses, he gets too much of the negativity, too. But do you look back, you know, when, when you're going through a season like last year, you're like, gee, you know, we were a crossbar away from going to the Grey Cup, and now we're not talking about a Winnipeg dynasty. We had five turnovers in Winnipeg and couldn't capitalize in that shortened season, or maybe I'm in the Grey Cup too 
two years in a row. Do you, do you kind of go back? Is that your ground zero where you kind of, you know, recenter yourself to block out the noise and say, yeah, I, I believe in what I'm doing. Like, we're doing the right things. I, I think I'm a good head coach. Yeah, you know, I don't actually think about um, the past all that often because it just feels like every year is a new year. Like, 2019 seems like such a long time ago, and even 2021, believe it or not, seems like a long time. I I think you just trust your process. Uh, You try to learn and grow each year and make changes and and do things a little bit better, you know, for the next year. And and then you hopefully got good good football players that buy into what you're trying to do, and they can take that message and and relay it to the younger guys. So, um, yeah, we've had some good teams in the last four or five years here. Last year was a tough year, but I believe it it was an anomaly, and I think this year you're going to see a real bounce back and hopefully get us back to where we – we belong, which is hosting playoff games and winning playoff. Games. One more question. This might sound dumb, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I'm the king of dumb questions. Are you more? Are you more eager to get into this season as head coach of the Riders than you were back in 2019 when you took over for the first time? Yes, yes. There's a there's a real hunger this year. Um, there's a real sense of purpose. I think this year. I, I, I think we had it last year as well, but. It didn't go the way we wanted it to, and I think we've made some changes in the off season about how we do things. And we were super aggressive in free agency, which I love. We're going to work really hard to have a, our best draft ever this next year in terms of the CFL draft. And and I think we just got an, a renewed commitment to doing things, uh, doing things uh, with excellence, and really trying to be as good as we can possibly be, and not leaving any stone unturned in our pursuit to try to pursue excellence and be as good as we can be. Coach, this was fun. Have yourself a good week, okay? Thank you, my friend. Take care. That's Coach Craig Dickinson, the Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers. Coming up, Quality Tire. We're going to go visit those guys this week. They're sponsoring press coverage. It's coming up next with Glenn Suter on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Major League Baseball, a number of games already underway on this mighty fine Monday. The Cincinnati Reds up 4-3 on the Chicago Cubs at home. The Minnesota Twins up 6-0 on the Miami Marlins. Rays hold a 3-0 lead over the Nationals. That one in the bottom of the Second, the New York Yankees up on the Philadelphia Phillies, two to nothing. That one taking place in the Bronx, New York. Pittsburgh Pirates three one lead over the Boston. Red Sox, that one just underway there. And later on this evening, the Toronto Blue Jays, Kansas City Royals set to get game one underway in that series. And the big game across the sports world scene tonight, well... March Madness final. San Diego State Aztecs, UConn Huskies opening tip 720. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Red Shana Pats, 620 CKRM. Today's Pat Chat is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Enjoy the NHL at the CBH Saturday nights with a dollar off tankards of Bud and Bud Light. 
Well, the Regina Pats walked into Saskatoon and swiped two from the blades at Sastel Center, drubbing them Friday night 6-1. And then yesterday, they escaped with a huge victory. Here's how it sounded. Two to the left, near the point, advances down the boards, one hands it in front, over to Bedard. Back hands it to the midpoint, Svolzel walks in, slap shot, scores! Stanislav Svolzel with his second of the series, and the Pats have taken a 1-0 lead on their first shot of the game. 14.52 to go in this opening frame. Stan the Man does it again. Stan the Man is becoming a sniper. Two to the left, right side to the midpoint. Here's Fozel down low in front. Bedard shoots, scores! Connor Bedard, 2-0 Pats. 6.27 to go in this opening period. It's his third of the series, and Regina leads 2-zip. Bedard wins his own faceoff to the line. He has it right side, side of the goal. Stringer in front, he scores! Zach Stringer with his first of the series and second career playoff goal. Regina regains the lead. They're up 3-2 with 14.28 to go in the second period. What do they do? They go down to the goal line. Again, there was room down low. Stringer right at the side of the net. Why not take the puck to the net? Barnett behind the net out of Martinsville, Saskatchewan. Below the goal line, centered, scores! Connor Bedard! on a centering pass from Braden Barnett. It's his fourth point of the night and his second of the game for Bedard. Four-three pats. 7.29 to go in the second period. Who other than 98 again? Right side, Seuss the left to the net, centered in front. Shot by Bateman off the post. Rebound scores! Connor Bedard with the hat trick. And here come the hats onto the ice here inside the Sastel Center. It's tied up at five. 8.50 to go in the third period. It's Regina's first shot of the frame. Connor Bedard, he's not going to miss that one. No chance for Chadwick as half the net is open. Tanner Howe has it. Back to Suzdalev. Below the right circle. Centered in front. They score! Zach Stringer! Start the bus, Robbie. We're heading back to Regina with a 2-0 series lead as the Regina Pats defeat the Saskatoon Blades 6-5. Zach Stringer with his second of the night. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second alone, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it Time for press coverage as former Ryder greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage. Thanks to Zinger for doing some great work on the other side of the board. The show is brought to you by Andrews Shared Limited, supplying HVAC, plumbing, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Check them out at Shared.com. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast. Western Pizza, the text. You can keep them coming, 936-6262. Powered by the Capital Auto Group. And this guy's going to be emceeing the Dogs Breakfast once again in May. He's Glenn Suter. He's a former Ryder great and Canadian Football Hall of Famer. Don't think we can stress that enough. He's joining us for his press coverage brought to you by Quality Tire. Check them out, qualitytire.ca. I'm going to check them out, Zinger. So I... So I I got through winter. I have ball tires, like the old Aaron Tippin song. Oh, yeah. Oh, Four yeah. ball tires. The wipers don't work in the horn. Mm-hmm. Don't blow, but there ain't nothing. Anyways, don't sing ballsy. So I'm in front of the tower <laughs> uh, pharmacy, and my dad's getting his print out for his income tax. He gets in. I hang a what we like to call here in Saskatchewan, a U-ball, and I clipped the curb, blew my tires, so now i got to go get four new tires because they were bald, right? I was hoping to get through the 
Didn't somebody help you on the side of the road oh, or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, see, I did it. No, it was in the parking lot, and I had most of it done. But a good point there. Rider fan Barry came by, uh, didn't leave me his last name, left me a number. I gave. I wanted his number because I'm going to give him something. It's great for him to stop mm-hmm. by. Good Saskatchewan guy. We're talking football. It's funny. We're talking football in the dirt in Saskatchewan. <laughs> Where else would you find that suitor? You wouldn't find that probably half the places in the CFL. But here we are in the A&W parking lot changing my tire, talking about the riders upcoming season yeah absolutely love it and and i have to write down that song for the next guitar sing-along we oh you're coming to my house aaron tippin there ain't nothing wrong with the radio you gotta look that up it's an awesome song man i love it anyway uh suits i want to get to this first um uh, dog's breakfast again. Marshall Falk's going to be the special guest. You are uh, coming into town to MC. That's all. I know that's always a highlight on your calendar. It is because uh, you know I feel like it starts sort of football in the country. I, I just it's such a fantastic event. Uh, you know, well over a thousand people. Uh, we always have great speakers and and different themes. You know, there's been a couple of times over the last few years that we've had former Great Cup. Uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and, and champions and and you know it was it was time to sort of look south and and this is part of it as well. We look for different guys that uh, have had huge careers in either the NFL or CFL. And um, Marshall Fox is going to be excellent. I I loved his versatility. I can't wait to uh, to hear what he has to say. And you know my favorite part of the dogs breakfast is Michael is when. The, the young men that are starting their football journey are, are given their jersey by the head coach and usually some U of S alumni. So the alumni line up, it's right in the middle of the, of the huge convention center where they have the, um, where they have the breakfast. So there's people and tables on either side and the spotlight is on and they get their jersey from the coach and they get the handshake from the rest of the alumni and then they come up on stage and they are now part of this football team and now they've you know now they've started they've really kicked off their football journeys i mean a lot of guys play amateur of course too before they get to college but this is their university football journey and it i just love it because i know there are going to be guys that I'm going to call their names on a TSN broadcast one day. Mm-hmm. And it's, happen- it's happened a bunch because I'm not sure how many times I've been up there at Saskatoon for this, but I want to say we're at about 15 now. And I, like I've always told them, I'm not going unless they tell me I'm not allowed. I'm going to be there. That's awesome, man. And we love your passion. You know, for those that don't, and we, we'd be naive to think everybody follows the NFL. Uh, Marshall Falk was a running back for the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and then he went to the uh, the uh, uh, St. Louis Rams, won a Super Bowl with them. Greatest show on turf. If I was in the, while you were talking about him, um, just to bring it to Canadian fans, I would have, if I could draw a comparison, the first guy that popped into my head that would be a Marshall Falk kind of player in the CFL back in the day, was Craig Ellis. Yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, Marshall's probably a better pure running back. Maybe. Uh, Craig, yeah, Craig was a uh, uh, more of a slot back, but could also run out of the backfield. But Falk was that kind of guy. He could do it all. You put him in the slot, you know, he could run routes from the backfield. Great, great running back in his own right, right just handing the ball off to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, versatility was his strength, and he could get those all-purpose yards. 
Also was a good return man, too. Yeah, so maybe maybe, maybe suits Mike Pinball Clemens would have been a better comparison. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a real good one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Mike Mike was a great player, as we all know, and we're going to get to that. Uh, three names from each team. Not necessarily the greats, but when you think of a team, uh, these names pop to mind. We're doing the East here. Okay, so uh, before we get to that, I, I wanted to get your opinion on this, okay? Now, this isn't a shot at Sean Lemon. Sean Lemon has lasted in this league as an American. I talked to him not that long ago. He seemed to uh, be more mature and very appreciative of his time in the CFL. I think at the start, he said, he was a little arrogant, thinking he'd dominate this league, but so many Americans found out that he couldn't, found out that it was a real league, and found out that uh, it was a great league, and he's very appreciative of it. But the the BC Lions admit their decision to sign veteran defensive end Sean Lemon had to do with the new ratio uh, in terms of uh, what happens here. So an American that has played uh, three years on one team or five years in the league can uh, now be deployed as, uh, you know, replace a Canadian on the field for 49% of the snaps. Glenn Suter, as the lead football analyst in Canada on TSN, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I'm not a big fan. Um, you know, I, I don't know how they're really going to regulate the 49%. Uh, I'm not sure how you keep track of that. That's going to be almost impossible unless you're doing it after the fact and watching video and who's going to be in charge of that at the league office. I just, you know, it, it sounds like a little too complicated. I, I, I like the idea of the, of the sort of naturalized um, American that, is on the same team for 10 years and you can turn them into a Canadian at that point, or maybe it's a seven year mark or something. And, you know, cause it builds, it puts, it puts an American star in a market and gives both the team and the player incentive to, to try and stay on that same team. So the team can really market around them in the off season. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a proponent of that, but you know, I, it, it's okay. I mean, we still need the same number of Canadians on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, Can- Canadian flexibility has got to be there. Any coach that understands the ratio will know that if if you can play with nine, or you can even play with ten. I heard I heard Coach Dickinson mention Don Matthews, and I you know I played for Don, and Don was would do that every time. He would he we would at times played with ten. He would do that wherever he was. He'd try and play with more Canadians because, A, they can play, and, B, uh, if you lose one is the concern because there's there's not as deep as a well to go to. Mm-hmm. So if you lose a guy, a Canadian, but you're playing 10 starters, well, it's it's no problem. You, yeah. you don't have to really adjust anything. You put American anywhere you want. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of this 49%. I don't know where that'll go, but... Sean Lemon's a pretty good. If it was the right price, it's a good signing. Yeah, like um, uh, Brian Burnham would have been a good example. I, I'm. I look yeah. at. I, I look at the average. Uh, career right three years three to five years like if a guy was in one place for five years i don't have a problem if he's in the community doing work and he's there five years but you're right i don't know how they're going to be able to 
to uh, actually police that correctly because sometimes they have trouble with the Canadians and Americans subbing out on the field. Hey, before we go to break here, another positive thing I want to talk about, the BC Lions donating $300,000 to amateur football through their 50-50. I really like what Amar Doman's doing. I get a sense that uh, he is in it for the long haul. Like He's not going to be fly by night. He is locked in. Local ownership cares about, he, he grew up a BC Lions fan, cares about the team. And I think you said this before. I know a Julio had in the past, Julio Caravata, but I think you echoed the same thing. He doesn't want to be embarrassed in his town. Like he is tie, he is a, he is a billionaire owner. He's tying his name to a brand. He doesn't want to be embarrassed in the business community. He wants to be proud of it. Well, and he wants to lead and he wants to innovate and not just corporately and, and from the business perspective, but also to support amateur football. And that's what 50-50 does. That's $300,000 to amateur football in British Columbia. I know every team does that. The riders do it. And, you know, it's it's huge for football programs. Uh, you know, I I know in just some, some brief times that I've had a chance to actually talk with, with Mr. Doman that, um, you know, he's talked about uh, the long-term investment in amateur football in BC and how he wants, not only wants the, get, the kids to get to the stadium and watch the BC Lions, but he also wants to support their pursuit of football. Yes, kids, I, I have just recently heard that he may even coach like football. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I just, and, and you know what? Every time, Michael, I'll just quickly before we go to break, yeah. every, every time Amar Doman and I have a conversation, he, he says a couple of things. One, I'm not going anywhere. And two, as we leave, it's sort of, We'll have a very similar meeting to this one in 20 years. Awesome. And he, and he, he comes back and says, I'm not going anywhere. This is going to work in this province. It's awesome. It's awesome, man. When we come back, we'll continue our uh, little uh, thing we started last week with uh, three names from each team when you think of that team. Doesn't have to be the greatest players ever to play for that team. Just what you think of when you think of that uh, team. And we're doing the Eastern Division this time. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on 620 CKRM. This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, April 3rd, 1989. At 19 years of age, Ken Griffey Jr. made the first start in his major league career for the Seattle Mariners. The kid was batting second in the order and playing center field in the game against the Athletics. In his first at-bat, Jr. would hit a double off of Dave Stewart, which started a career with over 2,700 hits and 630 home runs. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is The Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. That's right, Tinger. That's right. I smell a sweep. I smell a sweep. The blades are rolling into town. For the shows, Ben, you got to get for whom the bell tolls going here from Metallica. All right. China Pats playoff hockey tomorrow, game number three. Hey, uh, Suits, that Bedard's a little good. Five goals and three assists, eight points in two playoff games, his first two ever. 
World class, world class, and we'll all be watching them. I mean, I, we'll all be cheering for them. Great. I know they want them here in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, tank for tank, be be bad for uh, Bedard. Uh, what do we have? D- dishonor for Connor, and the other one. My person, <laughs> my personal favorite. Zinger doesn't think we could make it sell. Uh, suck hard for Bedard. That's the one I came up with. Suck hard for Bedard. He doesn't think we could go with that one. I, I have a T-shirt's made up in the whole nine yards, but he thought it was a little politically incorrect. Anyway, uh, suits. Let's talk about the yeah. three play. <laughs> the three play. Let's get. Let's get you off. Of this and leave that just to me. Uh, Suits, um, let's get to the three names from each East team that you think of when you think of that team name. I've got mine. Let's start with Ottawa now. Uh, they've been the Rough Riders, they've been the Red Blacks, they've been the Renegades. Uh, so, Ottawa franchise, give me the three names that pop to your mind. Yeah, honorable mention for me, Damon Allen, um, Julius Caesar Watt. Yeah. Because I, I like both of those quarterbacks for their you know for a lot of reasons. He was, by the way, a former U.S. House of Represent, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Representative in between '95 and '03. Mm-hmm. But J.C. Watt and Damon Allen were my uh, were my honorable mentions. But I have to go with Russ Jackson. I mean, mm-hmm. Russ Jackson is Ottawa uh, Canadian quarterback. Tom Clements also on my list. And uh, I'm sorry, but it's good that we start with this one, so we'll bury it as we get to the uh, other teams. But Tony, Tony Gabriel, is- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did a, I did a dinner with Tony Gabriel somewhere. I think it was plenty where you were, you and I were before at yeah. separate times. And he's like, I can't believe how nice these people are. I thought they'd kill me. <laughs> like, no, that we, we we don't like you, but we'll be nice to you. I have uh, Russ Jackson. How can you not? Uh, I have Henry Burris because he led them to the Grey Cup championship, and I have J.C. Watts because he almost pulled off the biggest upset in Grey Cup history in 1981 when the five-win Ottawa Rough Riders almost beat the juggernaut Warren Moon and Hugh Campbell-led Eskimos at uh, Olympic Stadium in that game. I think it was 26-23 with Dave Cutler with his big... Uh, his big black boot tied back, you know, had a tied back straight on kicker, booted it through for the win. Honorable mention, uh, Tony Gabriel. And for me, actually, believe it or not, this guy wasn't spick. Like, he wasn't one of the all-time greats, but do you remember Skip Walker, the old running back, 33? Yes, Skip, absolutely. Skip Walker was a guy. Kerry Joseph. Kerry Joseph was a good one, Renegades. too. Yeah, come And Kerry Joseph comes from... You know, uh, Seattle as a safety, great athlete comes here. I think Pow Pow was with him initially, and then he goes and uh, gets to all the glory with Ken Austin with Saskatchewan. Yo Murphy. Yo Murphy. There's one. There's so many names you can pull out of there. Let's go to Montreal next, Glenn Suter. Who are your three for the Montreal Alouettes? Well, I have to go with these two guys, played against them, and uh, they were just the great one two punch, kind of the modern era sort of George and Ronnie. Yep. And to me, it was Calvillo and Pringle, top of the list. And then Junior Ayu, um, a, a, because I absolutely love the name, a big number 77 was pretty dominant on defense, a couple of cups. My honorable mentions, Scott Flory and Peter Della Riva. Oh, nice. Love it. Okay, so I have <clears throat> Ben Cahoon, Anthony Calvillo, and Nick Araki, because I love the name, number 79, big tight end, Nick Araki. Honorable mention, Mike Pinball Clemens. And um, probably Mark Tressman. I was too young for Marv Levy, so Mark Tressman. Those would be my honorable mentions for them. Uh, Toronto Argonauts next. Glenn Pin- Suter. Pinball? Pinball? 
Could be pinball, yeah. Could be pinball, yeah. Go ahead, Glenn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, pinball leads the way. I mean, pinball, pinball, and more pinball. You could have picked three. This is where I put my Matt Dunnigan pick. I had to have him on a team somewhere uh, because I just respect so much the way he played, the way he approached the game. And it was cool to hear Coach Dickinson earlier on in the show talk about how when he coached with Matty, just hanging around him was worth it just to be in the building with him and that's what he's like so he was there when candy and gretzky owned the team and it was him against flutie and the other division and so matt dunnigan mike pinball clements and now i'm torn conrich holloway i love but i'm gonna go with terry greer you know oh, yeah. holloway gets holloway gets the number 10 right mm-hmm yeah an honorable mention but terry greer watching him on television I just thought, I don't think anybody can cover him. There's not many receivers I think that. And I, I, he was one of them. Yeah, he was one of those guys who was those those, those uh, lower double-digit receivers, one of the first yeah. in the CFL. And I had Terry Greer. I had Mike Pinball Clements. And I had Damon Allen. Of all oh, the teams yeah. he played with, Damon Allen won that great cup at 42 years of age. Everybody talks about Tom Brady. I would tell you that what Damon Allen did for the Argonauts in that 2004 great cup is just as good if not better than anything Tom Brady did because he was an athlete like an at he not saying Tom wasn't an athlete but Damon ran around at 42 making plays with his legs beating his old team the BC Lions a team that traded him away they won that great cup in Ottawa my honorable mention was Conred Holloway but here's an interesting story about pinball Clements Don Wilson Carl Brazley told me Don Wilson and him went to Bob Obilovich in the preseason and said because Bob said, I don't think we're going to keep this pinball guy. Like, he can't hold on to the ball. We got to get it. No, no, no. Coach, coach, coach. It's, it's the end of the preseason game. Last chance. Put us on the field. Put us on the field to block for this kid in this punt situation. And I, please, please, coach. So he put the starters in. Mike Pinball Clements drops the punt, picks it up, and runs it back 90 yards for a touchdown. Never look back. Think about that. There's a guy that almost wasn't. Yeah, yeah, and one of the greats of all time, and almost was it. Mike Riley has a very similar story. He had one series as a backup in BC in training camp in the preseason. One series to get it done. He went down and scored, made the team, and then became a starter and a champion. By the way, Damon Allen, money when it came to the championship games or playoff games. I mean, he was a great athlete, great player throughout the regular season. Numbers didn't always blow you away because he's, he'd had the running numbers and people kind of didn't mm-hmm. you know, give him enough credit for that. But when it came playoff time and that great cup where he beat the, his former team, the Lions, he went in the locker room. He said, guys, I'm going to carry you in this one. Just give me the ball and let's go. We're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was money in playoff time. Before we get to Hamilton and wrap up, Zinger, you wanted to jump in? I just want to give a plug to Mookie Mitchell. He was one of my favorite receivers as a kid. Oh, oh Mookie yeah. Mitchell, man. Oh, you could so add. You could, there's Paul Masadi. Uh, there's so Gil the Thrill Fennerty. I remembered him, number six. Remember him back in the day? Joe Barnes. Oh, yeah. uh, they had a, I love Conridge when he used to jump at the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and throw the ball. Uh, all right, and lastly... Get, you could put Doug Flutie yeah. there, too. You could mm. put Doug Flutie there, oh, yeah, too. Rocket Ishmael. I mean, we've got so many. That's why this league is so great and underappreciated. Lastly, Hamilton Tiger Cat Suits, give me your three. 
Most honorable mentions Hamilton Tiger Cats of any team in the league for me. <laughs> and it was the toughest decision to make. Actually, no, I, was, I won't say it's the toughest decision. I just had all of these honorable mentions. I'll rip them, I'll rip them yes. real quick. Yep. Earl Winfield, Jake Goddard, um, Les Brown, Danny McManus, all were guys that uh, were in my honorable mention list. And I thought, boy, any one of those guys could have been so but when we talked about this it was all about when you see the logo when you think of the hamilton tiger cat who do you think of and to me angela mosca rocky di pietro ben zabiazzi that's it nice who do you got zinger three for you joe monford comes to mind okay you're different area yeah uh danny mcmanus yeah and uh Ronald Williams, I believe, was their running back. Okay, that's who you think at, of? At the end of the 90s. For some reason, he yeah. comes to my number 24. Okay, so I got Glenn won't like this. Tony Champion with those catch in the ribs. Ooh. 1989, broken ribs, diving backwards. One of the greatest. When you capture everything in, that's one of the biggest big-time plays in a big-time game in any sport in the history. Tony Champion. He's an honorable mention. Then I got Rocky DiPietro, who when he broke Ray Elgard's record, a meat company came out and gave him meat and presented it on the field. And he, had to, he didn't wear gloves. And his hands were all slippery after that for the rest of the game because <laughs> it's grease and meat. Uh, so Rocky Di Pietro, uh, Danny McManus, and Darren Flutie, the other oh, yeah. Flutie, Darren Flutie, love Darren Archie Flutie. Emerson too. Uh, Archie. There are so many great oh, ones, man. man. Right. Yeah. D- Derek McAdoo, uh, yeah, Ben Zambiazzi, Grover Covington. Oh my gosh, so many great. I love going down memory lane, man. Suits, thanks for your time, man. We will uh, we'll talk a, a little bit more current. To CFL when we have you on uh, on uh, tomorrow. Actually, we're going to have you on uh, live from the Brand Center. Okay. Yeah, sounds great, Michael. Thanks. Awesome. See you Take care, guys. Yeah, Glenn Suter joining us for a quality tire. Went a little overtime, but it's worth it. Man, I could talk for an hour about nostalgia. I love talking about this. Yeah. And Angela Mosca beating a crap on a Joe Cap with a cane. At the 2011 Great <laughs> Cup. God rest. I think they're both passed away. God rest both of their souls. This has been the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.